Welcome in, Louis Jobbing Out, episode number 77, I believe. I don't know, we kind of stopped counting yeah. after a little while. 77. Chris right? Jenkins. Ooh, former Terp, Chris Jenkins. I like that a lot. Uh, I am Glenn Clark. That is Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, and that, of course, is... The main event. Who we... Are, we, are, are you dry yet? That That's the first thing I want. Are, are you dry no, yet? It was raining so hard yesterday. Are you, guys, are you guys still going to get, because we're recording on Thursday afternoon, like, are you still kind of in, in danger with this hurricane, or are you good? Uh, it was supposed to make landfall today, but it doesn't even look bad outside right now. I don't really, really know what's going on. But I think the word is that, like, it went further North? in. Yeah, like, like that than they expected. So, like, they were worried that it was going to come up here and hit over the weekend, but I think now we're seeing that's it's probably going to be okay. Like, we'll probably be able to go to the beach and... And, and get in the pool and do all the things that we want to do this weekend while we're drinking copious amounts of alcohol. I am going to drink so much this weekend, I will not be able to see straight. I'm going to go to the state fair at some point and keep drinking. Have you pissed out this No, I still haven't. Oh, and we were supposed to do the damn... Oh, did we agree we're all going to do three and do it together? We're going to pick a yeah. week when AJ can do it. Yes. We're all three gonna... yeah. We just gotta, can't, we can't forget about it. We can't that. forget about it. Because we want to pay it off. So we still have to do our power hour with apple cider vinegar, which is just going to suck so much. I yeah. can't explain to you guys how terrible that is. Um, so at, by the time you're listening to this, we might know what the what AJ's fate is. But at, as a recording, we don't know. How are you feeling right now? I feel good, man. I feel. Okay. I mean, I've been balling. I had a TFL yesterday. Um, I made a couple other tackles yesterday. I pretty much made plays in every game that I played in. I've shown up and. I mean, to me, I feel like I'm either going to be here in Tampa or, or you've done I'm right, gonna, or I'm done enough. I'm going to be somewhere, so I'm not really tripping. That does to me. I love Tampa. And I love the guys. I love being here with Brent. And I love all that. But at the end of the day, if the name on my check changes, I'm still cashing. <laughs> Wait, Brent, who is that? Oh yeah, by the way, that's uh, Brent Grimes, defensive Brent back Grimes. for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Huh. Well, that's that's nice. He seems like a nice fellow. I don't know what he does for a living, but that seems okay. Um, it's it's so funny to hear you like just say that so nonchalantly, and I get it. Like that's football, yeah, I could right? Be in Buffalo tomorrow. Yeah, or right. Whatever, but it's just you know. so weird to the rest yeah. of us in the real world. I could be I could be living in Green Bay tomorrow. Right. We're all just like that would be such a freaking change for us. Whereas you're like, yeah, just get on a plane and I'll, I'll go do it. And, like I've done it a few well, times. If already. I had to guess where I'd be other than Tampa, I would say San Diego. Their D line has not looked good on film. Huh? Oh, well, that's that, why they that's that, why they that would be terrible. That would, that, would, that would not be the worst place to live. Like it would be really awful for our recording schedule, but as far as living, that wouldn't be a bad place to jump around to. If you're going to end up in San Diego, that wouldn't suck. I, I might have to make a visit to you. Oh yeah, there, that would be a but... good reason to come make a visit. All right, uh, we got a lot to get to this oh, and, week. And there, oh, bigger news: they're starting building my house on September 7th. Oh. Oh, look at that. So what you're saying that is it's going to be ready for uh, mania for all of our fans and listeners who want to come down and visit. <laughs> it'll yeah, it'll be ready in December, so it'll definitely be ready for mania. All right, look at that. Well, we're staying there. I'm, like my wife and I are staying with you, and I don't care with, with the way that works. We got we're not going and trying to get a place that week. Are you kidding me? We're crashing at Casa de Francis. That's the way that's going. Um, later on in the show, we are going to talk to Mike Quackenbush, um, who we, you might know from any number of things, Aaron. Uh, give me the rundown of, yeah, of Mike, Quackenbush. Mike Quackenbush, you, you might know him from his long career as an indie wrestler. Was considered he's actually on Sports Illustrated's list of uh, like the top 101 wrestlers. So he's a great independent wrestler. He wrestled all over the world, but he's most well known for now as being the founder of Shikara. Yep. He runs the Wrestle Factory. 
Uh, he has trained a whole number of people who are now in the CWC, uh, and he has one of the most brilliant wrestling minds of any guy who I've ever Drew talked Gulak's to. Drew Gulak's one of his guys, Drew right? Drew Gulak is one of his guys. Um, you just, you oh, know, yeah, I decided, by the way, um, if I ever do get into wrestling, that I'm going to steal a lot of Drew Gulak's moves because I think <laughs> that they would I think that they would look really awesome from somebody from a big my man. size. Well, yeah. well, you know what? When we talk to Quack... You can ask if he, you can uh, train at the Wrestle Factory up in uh, Philadelphia. Try to set that up. I like that. So that'll come up a little bit later on in the program. Uh, Far more importantly, we have a new Universal Champion, and he's the Champion of the Universe. He is. He actually is, though. Yes, he legitimately is the Champion of the Universe. Kevin Owens is the new Universal Champion. All right, let's do the thing. Let's have it out about, because, you know, AJ is going to say that anybody that complains about Triple H is an idiot and a dummy. I'm I'm going to say the same thing. You're going to say the same thing. So I'll do that, and I'll speak for the people on the other side then. That's what I'll do. Um, Oh, my God. I I really don't even want to finish this podcast if I'm going to be there. It's unbelievable to me. Look, this is... Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Okay, let's 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 do the rea- the real thing, which is what I really feel. And if you had taken the side of the Triple H thing, I would have said to you, Kevin Owens is the champion. I don't give a shit about anything else. That's what I would have said. Now, that being said, that's not my opinion. But go ahead. I'll, I'll play. I'll play the. I'll play this role because I'm willing to play this role. I I don't think that you needed to have Triple H involved with that, and I think that you could have had Kevin Owens go over as champion, and it would have been somehow even better than what it was. It was still really good. No. I, now why? Okay, no. hang on. Let me finish this. Let me finish I'll, this. I'll, I'll let you finish let it. Finish. I'll, tell you no, I'll tell you why you're completely let me, wrong. Let me finish this. This is the problem. The problem is it feels like the reason why you think you need to do this is to keep him heel. And that, to me, strikes... You, you just are so unwilling to pay attention to what's going on. Kevin Owens is the biggest face in pro wrestling right now. He is the most over. He is doing the best work. Everyone is in love with Kevin Owens. To try to stifle that and to pretend like it doesn't exist and to not let him be the top he, the top face when you need a top face right now is such a stupid mistake. It's dumb. I can't wait to tell you why you're dumb. No, you're dumb, but we'll get back to that. Um, he is... I, and I get it. You've built him as a heel. You've tried to make him a heel, and he might still end up trying to become a face at some point. But right now, it reeks of, we need to try to keep him a heel. He's a heel. Whoever you want to have be a face is going to be a face, whether that's Roman or whoever it's going to be. And it's just, once again, you saying, we You're don't want to listen. We don't want to listen to what's going You're on. You're tripping. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. First of all, in one fell swoop, they planted the seeds for not only Roman to turn heel, but for Seth to turn face. Not just planted the seeds. He's a face now. Who? When Rollins comes out next week to challenge Kevin Owens, he is going to get the biggest cheer on Raw. Not, he's challenging Kevin Owens. That's so untrue. If you're challenging Kevin Owens right now, you're not going to get the biggest cheer on Raw you, because Kevin Owens is. He's Kevin Owens. Did you hear that at the end of the show? Yeah, he, Did you listen to that? That was Daniel yeah, Bryan-esque. Also, yeah, but that was also Dolph Ziggler-esque. It happens. Like, well, okay, yeah. It in, is. in in the moment, he was going to get the cheer. But here's the thing: he he is a heel now. He's going to get the cheer no matter what. It could have been a big heel. It could have been Rusev. Rusev could have won the title, and he would have gotten a big. He would have gotten like that. that. No, he, he would no have, one would have gotten that. Well, because that we was were, Kevin Owens. Okay, fine. Yes, but, but he that would was have been. A, it was a huge moment for Kevin. Owens. For Kevin Owens, the person. The person. Because everybody loves Kevin Owens. 
everyone yes. in that's a wrestling fan loves Kevin Owens right now. People popped for Rollins winning the title like that. Well, I mean, we couldn't hear it because it was the outdoor WrestleMania. But people would have popped if that was an indoor arena. People would have popped like that for Rollins when Rollins was a huge heel. You're saying in San Francisco? Yeah. Well, yeah, because they hated Roman yes. Reigns. Correct. Well, and because they loved Seth Rollins the person. Eh, I think it had way more to do with Roman Reigns than to do with Seth Rollins. I, I disagree. I absolutely uh, disagree. I dis- I, I absolutely Seth Rollins has not been. I, I like Seth Rollins. I'm a Seth Rollins guy. Yeah. They try to compare him to where Kevin you know, Owens for somebody is right who now. Said that this, for, somebody, for somebody who said this wasn't how they really feel, you're kind of defending it like you really well, feel. Well, I really way. feel as though it's stupid to try really to keep him idiot. as a heel. I know. I really do feel that way. I think it's stupid okay, to keep him as a heel. You think that until you have heel Rollins. I mean, heel Owens and face Rollins. Fighting for the There's nothing chance. wrong with Kevin Owens and, and Seth Rollins. That's a great thing. But this notion that you're going to be able to make it work because you say so is insane. It's insane to think that you're just going to make Seth Rollins the top face while he's going up against Kevin Owens. You can't do that. I, it's I think Kevin Owens. I, I think you're wrong about this. I, you're, I think you're, you're nuts. You're, no, no, here's the thing. You are right. If it no, was, you're forgetting who Seth Rollins is. A, well, A, you're forgetting who Seth Rollins, and B, here's the thing. You are right. If it was Kevin Owens winning cleanly, coming out next week as the reigning hero, and then someone trying to get cheers against him, you are absolutely right. It would have been a hard road to climb. You have you have Kevin Owens with Triple H as his backer. That's and a, Stephanie. Well, we don't know. Well, we don't know. That, that's but, the thing. We don't, we don't know. The, I mean, and, and really, we don't know that. We don't know that. But that's her husband. And please don't forget the last time we saw Triple H. He was also the guy everyone was cheering for. This continued notion that you can just stick Triple H with him and that makes him a heel is nuts. Yeah, I really, I'm really, at this point, I'm really either going to, like, take my headphones off because you're ruining <laughs> one of the greatest moments in the history of here's not wrestling. Ruining here's, it. here's the thing. Oh, let's, let's say it. you have face, let, let's go with what you're saying and you have, if you want to make him a face, first of all, you've done so much to try to make him a heel and to make him a pretty convincing heel. Yeah, he's a damn good heel because he's damn good at everything. Right. Yeah. But but let, let's just say that you want him as a face. First of all, that makes it really awkward for the next pay-per-view because you have to establish him as a face really quickly, and I think that's a little bit trickier. No, 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 you've already established him as a face. You haven't, though. No, you have. No, you, you haven't. haven't. You no, his, you're right. He won his title via Triple H interview. No, no, I, no, we're talking about before. I'm saying if you, saying if, you if you had him cleanly yes. win, that's still hard to make him a face. I, I still think that an insta-face. In what way is that hard? You had it. It happened. He's a face. You watched the show on Monday. No, I didn't. No more than back in the last summer. No more than the New Day were faces, even though they were getting they, cheers. They were getting nothing but cheers. The only yes, but they weren't faces. Correct, they because you, faces. They, we told you they weren't faces. That's the difference. What your scenario is is where we tell you what they are, despite the fact that everybody else has a different you opinion. Think Triple about them. H coming back. And pedigree and everybody isn't telling you that Kevin Owens is a, face, a heel. No, I, that's what they want you to. They want you to see Kevin Owens if, if as a Owens, heel. But if, it's not. This is. But the, if Owens doesn't win cleanly for the next few matches, is he still the face? You're saying that if he just keeps having Triple H interfere for him every time, yeah. Um, you know that would probably get old really quickly, and would also be a terrible but, way to use Kevin. Okay, Owens. Okay, but here's okay. So I, I'm, let, let's go. Let's go back to what I was trying to say before. You have him win cleanly. What's the next? Where where does he go? Where does he go for Clash of Champions? Well, probably Chris Jericho. Jericho. So you're saying that he is, who's also getting, by the way, very big cheers. So you're yeah, but saying not that nearly the same. And having Chris Jericho turn on Kevin Owens would get him a heel. I hit. wouldn't say not nearly the same. They love Chris. The, Chris Jericho is. He's hot playing right a good now. character. There's no doubt. But it's not Kevin Owens. I get it. If you're, Chris Jericho wins the title on Monday night, it might have looked like it, that. But it, it's probably a little bit more. Mo- right now, you have. 
when when I if the heel thing works, which I think it will, because Kevin Owens, as you said, is a phenomenal heel. He's good at everything. Yes. All of a sudden, you have Rollins as a face, which I, I believe is the case. You can have him challenge at Clash Rain of Champions. But you still have to do work to make Rollins a face. This notion I, that he's just a face because Triple H pedigreed him doesn't work. You he, haven't established well, Triple H as a heel. You wait, don't wait, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. You just yet. you just said you just said. That because he's getting pops. Do you remember when Rollins came back? The, the, how we were like, oh my god, he has to be a face because people yes. want to cheer for him. Give him a people a re, give people a reason to cheer for Rollins, which they just did by having him be screwed and presumably coming. I presume he's going to come out and run and immediately challenge Owens for the title. Okay, I, I, I think that you have a Jericho problem there. I, I think that you have invested so no, much in the Jericho a, thing. No, that could be a slow burn. I, I, yeah, I think I think Jericho you can do. I think you really Jericho want to do a slow burn for... with Jericho. Yeah, I, I think if yes, you do, if you do a it's tri- clearly not going anywhere. Triple, I think if you have a Triple H Jericho Owens kind of thing where uh. where Jericho is around because that's what actually on Twitter at least that's what he said. He's like, oh, I'm so perfect. I can't right. wait for us to be Universal Champion. I can't right. wait no, for I, our reign. Right. But that comes off as a a thing that you say because you're that no no champion ever has gone along with that. Like, yeah, we're the champion. That's not what Kevin Owens is going to come out and agree with. You're going to have that well, strife if, there. Yeah, but it's his. I'm, what I'm saying is, right now, for the time being, they're going to say, "I'm, you know, we're boys." And, right, and yeah, you're well, saying yeah, there's some. Right. Is, is Hell in a Cell raw? Yeah, Hell, and I, I could see if you wanted, you put Sammy there. You put Sammy and Kevin in uh, Hell in a Cell. They, we, we've complained in the past yeah. about how Hell in a Cell. I hear you. Has I just, been awkward. I just think they tried to make that so defined that you're not doing it again for a while, and I, I, I think. You're but better. now I, I think that. Without the championship picture, you're right. It would have been awkward. Now that the title's on the line, I think you can go back there because, quite frankly, Sammy has a case that he could come out on Monday and say, uh, I'm no, number I one contender. Right, no, I hear you because he, because he beat him the last time. I get that. I understand exactly what you're saying. And trust me, I'm, no one's going to complain about more Owen Zane. Like, it's not going to be an com- complained about how, Sam, how Kevin like, Owens won the Mike Owens, Owens is about how he won. No, it's about heel. the notion that you're listening and not. That you are hearing what people had to say and then telling them something else. That's the storytelling problem that WWE has continued to I, have in the I last couple of years. Disagree. But here's the thing, though. You you say that, but how, if every heel – name a heel that gets booed. Um, Miz and Rusev. Yeah, that, they're that's, pretty good at it. And Charlotte. That's the list. I mean, they're pretty that's good it. at it. That's, that's it. it. That's it. So you're saying we should only – they should be the only heels in the entire We were the one who were hesitant about the New Day turning face because we thought it would ruin them. Because even though they were getting well, yeah, cheers because, for six because months, because WWE is rough at that, I understand. Well, that. yeah, so I, why do you no, want good, they have done a good face. job of that. Because he is. He's not. Because the crowd has decided we love this guy. This guy is doing everything we could possibly want. This is the. It's it's difficult for your storytelling because you put this much into a character, and now the crowd is saying, "Sorry, we love the guy too much. We just love this dude, and for good reason. He's the greatest performer we've seen since Kurt Angle." He's everything. Kevin Owens is everything that we want. They're telling you this is the guy. We want this guy. We're, we're screaming at you. We couldn't scream it at you anymore. And you're saying, nah, but we're not going to do that. Instead, we want you to like this guy more. And I'm not saying that Seth Rollins can't be a face. He might be able to be a face. you got to put some work into that. It's not done yet. And it's not done just because Triple H pedigreed him. As AJ pointed out, they're going to have a show on Monday night, and they got to do some storytelling there. We still don't know what Triple H's motivation was well, that, for yeah, any yes, of this. We, we have to get through. And I'm hoping, some people have speculated that it's going to be uh, – that like he's gonna try to get the NXT guys together. He's like, these are my guys, which I think would be a disaster. But well, I mean, isn't Seth Rollins technically an NXT guy too? Well, he's he's not. He's not in the same generation. Yeah, I yeah, agree, he, but he was still. I mean, 
most when people think NXT guys, they think when it started to get on the network. Yeah, Valor, Owen, Zane, right? That that whole group. I hear you. I just, I, I mean, I, it's an interesting theory. You know, I I don't know how I'd feel about that either. I, I, I don't think. The, that the I, only, I don't think that's what it is. I just think I don't think that's the plan. I the, think it's just that even when he made it clear when he brought Kevin Owens in initially that it was his, it was like on him that he brought him in, and he was the reason he was here. So now the same way he can say, well, we picked Seth Rollins to be the guy because he was the best member of the Shield. Now you can actually say, well, I actually picked Kevin Owens to come here because I wanted him here in NXT, and then he proved me right, and now he's my guy because he proved me right again. But we don't. But first of all, we don't know what is Triple H right now. We don't know the CEO. Well, we I mean, know he's the, the CEO. But does that mean that he's allowed to do anything on any show? What does that I mean? Yes. Yeah. I mean, if that's the case, yes, so is he more powerful than Stephanie and Mick? Yeah, it'd be weird yes. if he's more pow- more powerful. Every, than Stephanie every business would be... you've ever been, every business you've ever heard of, the CEO. Well, I don't know, but the C- Stephanie is also an owner. Yeah, Stephanie is a co-owner. Well, she might uh, he might not be more powerful than Stephanie. And that's but, the, but, but Stephanie only has power on Raw. That's the weird. That's again, it's a small thing. They have to establish it. Yes. They have to come out on Monday night and establish what is Triple H. Is he? Does he have authority on Raw? Does he? They have to just tie those loose ends together. He has I'm, authority on both. He doesn't work for one particular brand, and he's. Then the they CEO. need to say that. They they have done so much they to say. Need to say that. That's a that's common sense. Well, he's but, the CEO. but then but Stephanie, Stephanie is the owner of the company. She, have, yeah, correct. Have. Yeah. Well, so Shane is no longer the, the owner. Of the, there, company. the difference there is they're also the commissioners of their respective shows. That's so, why so they, they gave up their. The other so they, so gave they up don't their want power? any power on they on the other. Yes, yeah, Stephanie did give up her power on SmackDown. Okay, then just if, if you want Triple H to be a floater, if you want him to do that, just come out and say that. Say whatever well, you want to say about they've it. They've also he's never been on SmackDown, so he might not do that. Right. He might just be on Raw. I guess if he, he never shows up on SmackDown, he also just is also a wrestler. So and I think that could be a part of it too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that part of this could be that Triple H is viewing himself now, right now, as a performer. This is performer Triple H, yes. not authority Triple H. I think that could be the the a possibility as well. But they have to do all of that. They had another TV show on Monday. They got to do all yes. that on Monday. Which and they can't. They, you know, it's not like they, they could do it in five seconds. At the I, end of the show. My opinion is simply that you should have gone face wrong Kevin Owens. Is what your opinion well, is. My opinion's not wrong. You might disagree, but my opinion no, is wrong. my opinion. How can an opinion be wrong? It's an opinion. What happened on Monday was one of the greatest moments in the history of Raw. Because it was Kevin Owens winning the title? No, because it was one of the best matches in the main event in a very long time. It's funny. I I saw you say that. I thought the match was good. I didn't. Okay, go back and watch the match again. It was a good match. I'm not disagreeing with you. I just don't think that it was a better match than, you know, the recent ones on Raw. Punk Cena. Punk Cena was really good. That was a really good match. I guess if we're saying specifically on Raw, I don't know that I have a yes. list of ten That's matches. Why, that... Exactly. That's why I said it's one of the best matches on Raw. And the way it ended with Triple H coming out of the crowd, Pedigree and Roman Reigns, which is going to fuel the fire to turn it, him face. It was a legitimate face. shock, and then, nothing else. And then Pedigree Seth Rollins to turn him face and turn his back on Seth Rollins and give Kevin Owens the title. That was crazy, dude. It was unexpected. It was wild. I'm, again, I said all along... Everything about this was good. It got me Kevin Owens as champion. My point is that the way I would have done it is Kevin Owens comes yeah. out of his the face. I, I think it just because sets up the next so over. better. I, I really do. I, I don't. I, I think yeah, that, you're in the minority here, and you're wrong. Well, yeah, you're correct. <laughs> and by the way, if it was Aaron and I in agreement, and AJ 
who had an opinion. What he we're, would say we're, we're is, idiots. we're idiots. We're, we're idiots. idiots. That's how that would go. Yeah. <laughs> somehow, that, that, that's just how it works. Somehow this time it matters that we're in the minority. I'm in the minority. Look, there's the the good of this is that it gives you the you're a thousand percent right about this. You have a never-ending list of possibilities now coming out of this, which is because Kevin Owens is so great. There's nothing that you could tell me right now that you could do with Kevin Owens that I wouldn't say, yeah, give me that. If you said, yeah, we're going to go Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, great. You say, no, we're going to go Kevin Owens, uh, Chris Jericho, go ahead and pull the trigger, great. No, we're gonna, we think we're going to go Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns. Yeah, I'm good with that, too. You know what we really need to do is Kevin Owens, Brock Lesnar. Yeah, you do. <laughs> all of those. Give me all of them. That's I think the we're gonna get. I think we're going to get at least three of those, and then Finn Balor's going to come back. Right. Oh, by the way, that, well, that'll oh, yeah. suck. Yeah. yeah. Can't, I mean, can't have Kevin Owens Finn Balor. Now, especially when you have the, the interplay, let's assume for a second that Triple H isn't with Stephanie because of, you know, they... Yeah, there was the, the awkward... There, there know, was, like, exchange. Stephanie was like, what, what are you doing? Now, granted, that could have just been her... Yeah, right. Completely. But let's just, let's just say you go that way. Oh, yeah, by the way, you've already had a, a little thing between uh, Heyman and Stephanie. What, what if Stephanie decides, you know what, I need someone to kind of knock Triple H down a peg. I'm going to have Brock Lesnar... As my guy, you know, use him to get the title yeah. off of Owens. I mean, I, look, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm just like, you can go that way. I hear you. Listener, Owens, Hell in a Cell. Oh my God. I, I don't think it would be that early. I, I think that would be around Rumble time. But well, I think if you're doing Lesnar Owens, you got to do it at WrestleMania because I'm, I'm dying for it. But I, I'm not gonna be a. Pu- you give me Lesnar Owens and Hell in a Cell, I'm gonna say I, just, thank you so I, much. I, I, I have no, I just, I just Hell in a Cell because I think like realistically the way they booked Brock. Hell in the Cell was the only match that Kevin Owens could win versus Brock. He couldn't win a. See, that's I the thing. I, I think that Owens win a straight up match versus. You're right, Brock. which is why I would think that Lesnar would win Rumble, at Rumble. Well, unless you want to do the heel Owens thing that you're talking about, which is you know he can have Triple H help him out every match, right? Yeah. Then you could make a plausible scenario. You where don't even have to do that every match if you just did it like. Well, you do a Ric Flair it's, thing where he wins the not, you know, he can he can win little matches on his own, but when it comes to the big matches, I just hate the notion of that's how you're going to use Kevin Owens. I really hate that. This is Kevin Owens. But, we're but that's how about. He, that's how he's always been best. Like when, when he did the the Ring of Honor run with Scum behind him, he didn't need Scum, but he always had them in his corner. But he hasn't done that here, and that is a huge difference. It, it's a big, and I, I can't, I, I get it. You know that the Smarks know that. But you haven't done that with Kevin Owens in WWE. He has been Lone Wolf, which was the weird part about Jericho. But obviously the Jericho thing has worked out brilliantly, right? Like it's just been here's, here's beautiful for he's, everybody. He's been that. Lone Wolf, but he's also been what is best for me? What is going to keep the title on me? What is going to be best for my career? I'm going to get the money. And what's best for his career would be to hold on the title as long as he can and have friends in high places to make sure of that. Yeah, you can make that argument. You can make that argument. you got to do that storytelling. You know, he's got to tell you that. You know what I mean? But you can do that argument, and I don't think that's dumb. And again, I think that would give you a plausible scenario where you could believe that he could beat Brock Lesnar in a match because he's willing to do things, whereas Brock Lesnar has no friends. You know, nobody aligns himself with Brock Lesnar because they're, they're, afraid par- of, they're yes, terrified yes. of him, and, and he's a, a walking nightmare. So you could do that, and it could work. Look, I, again, you come out of this with Kevin Owens as champion. Glory effing hallelujah. I cannot say enough. Kevin Owens is, in many ways, the savior of the WWE. I mean, he is the, the everything. I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for. This is the guy we've been waiting for. We have been waiting for this guy that makes everything that happens more important because he's there. And every week, you have to watch because Kevin Owens is a part of it. And we talked about this last fall. When, I, when you were getting Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, you were saying, hey, I have to tune in every week because Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are turning the, the, everything on the shoulders. Right now, Kevin Owens is doing it on his own. 
He is carrying. And not to say there aren't other good performers, but everything is more important because Kevin Owens is there. He is doing the work of the great performers in the history of professional wrestling. This is Kurt Angle, it's Steve Austin, it's whatever you want to call it. Kevin Owens is doing that work. Now, let's not get carried away. You know what's so funny to me is that you say that, and you say that a lot, but I don't think Kevin Owens has been any... He's been great, but I don't think he's been better that better, much better than Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins has done good work too, but Seth Rollins, unfortunately, because he disappeared for a while, and also because they kept flirting him with it, the, they couldn't, they couldn't get him away from the other two guys for a while. And I get it; it was good. You're not seeing the same thing, and I was worried about that with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I really was. That ultimately, when you said Kevin Owens, the first thing you're going to say back is Sami Zayn. They've done a nice job of moving him out of that and making what he does. More important than anything else that's happening. Rollins has been great. Nobody's complaining about Seth Rollins. He's been great. He's been solid worker, solid performer. Kevin Owens, watch the two on the mic. Rollins will have the awkward moment where he kind of chuckles because he's trying to think of something to say. Kevin Owens never has a second where he doesn't have something perfectly planned that will kill. He is doing improv at a higher level than guys that are doing improv sports. He is doing everything perfectly right now. It's, I just, we haven't seen this. It's How's the, his cock taste? I would like to know. I would like to, if I could call and, and coordinate Sounds something like, like that. Oh, would you, what are you, what are you, what are you not, you, are you not worshiping at the altar of Kevin Owens? I am so excited for Kevin Owens, and I said it once, Kevin Owens has been one of my favorites ever since um, Aaron took me to Ring of Honor, and I threw a streamer, and he had Jim Cornette's racket, and he hit it out of the sky with right. the racket. And it was one of the most awesome moments of a wrestling event I've ever. He been. wanted to he wanted to murder Aaron in a Ring of Honor show that we went to. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was great. Yeah, like he that was really because awesome, I kept chanting Olay at him. It was yeah, great. It was he awesome. wanted to murder him. Speaking, speaking of Cornette, I do love and, and people are throwing this at, but it, it's funny when you think about Kevin Steen signing with WWE. There was a I think a somewhat legitimate question. You know, Jim Cornette hated him. Jim Cornette said he would never raise a dime, which is you know absolutely hilarious. But there was an actual legitimate question if. Could Kevin Steen work in a WWE environment? Because he was always on the indies. You know, he's kind of known as a, you know, do his own thing kind of guy. They didn't know how it. And not only has he flourished in WWE as a performer, like he has the authority, the the corporate, like the legitimate corporate backing. And it's just amazing to think about yeah, that, it. I, you know what? I do think there's something incredible about that because he doesn't have a look. He doesn't, doesn't have, have a look, and and he's known as a, as a loose cannon, right? You know? and yet he, they've clearly thrown the entire company behind him. You know, like I, I do think there's something truly both, both on screen that. and off screen now. Yes, I think it's it's really incredible. I mean, I I think it's worth pointing out. This is, I think that maybe is also part of everything. This is unlike any. It's a phenomenon. This is unlike anything we've ever seen before. They've never look. Mick Foley got to be the champion, right? You know what I mean. Daniel Bryan got to be. Maybe Daniel Bryan's the closest. Maybe this never happens without Daniel Bryan. And it's a different. I look. don't think it does. And, and I think, oh, of course, it doesn't. I, I There's think no chance it does. They had to see that Daniel Bryan, that one of these guys could carry a company. Well, it's, it's Daniel Bryan and Triple H getting power. I think that's a big. Okay. Thing. Yeah, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. That it's this is clearly his guy. He believes in him. He saw his work ethic. He saw what he's willing to do. You know, where other guys was it when Stone Cold when he got signed? Stone Cold's like, you better go do some cardio or something like that. And like Triple H looked at him and said, No, this guy's good. His yeah. cardio's fine. I get what he looks no, it's, like. It's, his cardio's it's, fine. It's funny how we we you know. And, and AJ's going to laugh about that. You know, people complain, oh, you know, Roman Reigns is the hand-picked guy. Kevin Steen was signed almost exactly two months ago, or two years ago. 
and he has done no, this much this quickly. Yeah. He's done it faster he is the than, hand, than Roman Reigns. He is the so hand-picked person. Hey, what do you know? But but it appears as though he's the hey, hand. What do you know? I think this is the Vince, it's the Vince McMahon oh, issue, you right? Mean, you mean fans are idiots? Oh, never good. You, of course, would feed this up to him. You, I, I, you I son of a bitch. You, of course, feed him. Oh, okay, yeah. Fans are idiots. Oh, yeah. Who would ever guess that? I think it's the difference in the Vince McMahon Triple H era. I think fans look and see that Roman Reigns looks like all the guys that Vince has fallen in love with and all the guys that Vince wants and all the guys that Vince has ever put himself yeah, on. Seth Rollins definitely doesn't. <laughs> yeah, he definitely doesn't. Absolutely not. He's shredded, and he's absolutely out of what his mind. Hey, and he's so athletic, and he's on all the TV shows, and he can talk. Yeah, Vince <laughs> hates him for sure. Hey, what do you think of the campaign uh, to have Seth or have Roman remove his illegal body? That armor? was fantastic. That's fantastic. By the way, was, that was Owens who sold it. During the match, I think it was. Was it? I think it was. I can't yeah, remember did. who it was. He did. Yeah, he did. He, he sold. He, he went to chop him, him. and like, then ah. he grabbed his hand, <laughs> and it was amazing. All right, you know what? Maybe I was wrong about the match. I got to go back and watch it. Damn it! <laughs> see, you didn't even see uh, how awesome. It was. I don't know how I missed that. I have no idea. It was, how I it was that. a really small. Thing. All right, I will go back and watch that because that is phenomenal. That is really great. Son of a bitch! God damn it! Oh, God bless Kevin Owens is everything. He's everything. Um, anything else we could talk about from Raw? I feel like we just, it's Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens, Kevin We'll Owens, talk Kevin about Owens. the other TV stuff after the break here, cause I, I well, feel... no, I mean, we can touch, I, we can touch on Raw and separate, cause I do think there's enough on SmackDown. I know it wasn't very eventful, but I think it, I have a take on, on how they handled it that I want to get into a little bit, and you guys can yell about that too. Um, what else even happened on Raw? I'd totally forgotten by now. Oh, the New Day with the New Bailey. Day Bailey. The yeah. New Day with Bailey. By the way, what are you, so AJ texted me on Monday night. Oh. Yeah, what, what is it that you want to yell at me about? Oh, um, aren't you mad that, uh, the New Day is being used as Bailey's, uh, scapegoat and, you know, they're being, because they didn't have any connection on screen. No, I can't compare that in any way. It doesn't. They didn't have any connection on screen and then they came together. No, they, they, it was like they they're, were, they're, they're like the Bailey two most logical, uh, partners <laughs> in the history of ever. Make sure they like unicorns. She's bad. Bailey. There's <laughs> never been a more logical, there's, there's, it's so different I can't even begin to explain it. They, they look at each other and like looking in the damn mirror. It's, it's amazing. It, it, like pa- they, it paused on Ron. We heard like the light shine down. Yeah. Weird. You're like, oh no, no, this should have always <laughs> happened forever. Bailey should be a member of the New Day. The New Day's not being subservient to Bailey in any way. Bailey oh, should be yeah, a part of the New Day. Yeah, they just it should be a, a faction. Just no, yeah, you know that? Yeah, you're right. They would never be in a match with the club otherwise. They definitely <laughs> have avoided the yeah. club at all costs. Yeah. Oh, you're nuts. <laughs> You're nuts. I'm just playing the role of you being an idiot. Is that what it is? <laughs> the, did anyone role? notice that for for uh, New Day's entrance, they had the yellow brick road on the ramp? Yeah, they've done that for a while now. So great. Well, I, I, I noticed that like for the first weeks. time, that, that, that was... Like, that was the floor. Oh, my that's God, that's why awesome. That's I told you that whole Jumbotron... Well, there, there were just a number. Oh, it's so good. It's so, uh, it's it's really, so good. It's really great. Yeah. No, it's really great. It's helping a lot. Look, I, the, the the two, the, the New Day and Bailey <laughs> that was, is that was it, wrestling joy. Right it's there. magic. It's it's literally these people should be hanging out together forever. You know what I mean? Like we know you. You're one of us. You just haven't joined us yet. And really, they should explore the possibility of making Bailey a member of the New Day. Like they really should. Why is that a bad idea? To create it as more of a faction. That's something they should absolutely think about going down the road of because it hurts no one and it's just 
joy. Go. Yes. They, they are the same in basically every way. A, a thousand percent. You telling me you couldn't add the tube men to the New Day entrance? Like you couldn't <laughs> just give me all of it? Tube unicorns? Oh my god! Gold. It's everything I could ask for. Also, and I'm gonna be the one to say it. I don't care how you feel about it. Dana Brooke should never not be wearing that nurse's outfit. <laughs> oh. she, 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 she looked like, remember the uh, the Blink-182 album? Yes, the Anima of the State, yes. correct. Yes, yeah. she should never in her life not be wearing the nurse's outfit because that is what she was born to do. That was her. So she, was, she was put on earth for that moment. Correct. <laughs> that was her moment. That was, I've never thought of Dana Brooke when I thought of Dana. I'm like, oh, my God, I... I, I have seen the lights, you know what I mean? Like, the moment has happened. Uh, the, the club are doing, I think, better work than I realized they were capable. Like, we all know the club were great wrestlers. I don't think I realized how good, and I get it, it's silly in the old fart thing, right? It seems like a dumb Vince McMahon joke. I don't care. And, I, and it definitely, you know, the content definitely is Vince's idea. I don't care. I, like, I yeah, still like they're, it. They're delivering they're it well. They're yeah, they're delivering doing it well. On it. They're still doing awesome work. They really are, man. They're really killing right now. I, I, I couldn't ask for better right now from this group. I think that phasing Dana away from Charlotte and towards the club is a good idea. I, mean, I don't I, think that's – I think that was just a one-time thing. I think it probably was too. But, but it think, wouldn't be a terrible idea. I think it would be a good idea. I think it really would. I don't know what more you can get with a Dana-Charlotte thing, whereas I think the club with, you know, what it was the bullet babes yeah. is the concept. I think that's a good look. I think I like that a oh, lot. Oh, and that, that was hilarious with uh, Amber O'Neill, Amber Gallows right on, on Twitter. On Twitter that, yeah. that was hilarious. Yeah. Um, so I, I, that was great. Raw was really good. I don't know. It helps what, when you have a title. What did you think think of the whole? Uh, we we mentioned her, the Heyman stuff and anything. That was interesting. I, I couldn't quite figure out what Heyman was trying to do there, and not necessarily in a bad way. Just legitimately, like I'm yeah, not hear, exactly yeah. sure. Where I don't. They're going I don't really it. know where they're going with it either. To tell you the truth, I really don't. I I don't know where they're going with it either. Um, I, I like having Paul Heyman on TV, yeah, so I'm uh-huh. not going to complain about it. You know what I mean? Like it's a good thing. Oh, and thing. then Paul Heyman pulling out. The yeah, money. doing the ones was was great as well. But that was awesome. But the idea was that like Stephanie was supposed to be colluding with Brock, and so now, you know, like I and, still and, think and, and, he, and he went from like super aggressive to like apologetic in one thing. It was, and it was and very... I, I think that ultimately that's what it is: is that it's Stephanie colluding with Paul Heyman and Brock, and I think that we'll ultimately get there. I think you'll get that payoff, but um, you know, in the meantime. It just gets more Paul Heyman on TV, and that's that's bad for no one. I mean, that's that's a victory all around. Give me as much Paul Heyman as I can possibly get. So I'm actually surprised you couldn't find a reason why it's bad. Oh, for God's sakes, man! I mean, what, you know, are we are we? Am I just supposed to play the? Your role is to not complain about anything. My role is to complain about some things sometimes. Are we new no. here? This no, is you're just an idiot. I hate this show. Let's not do it again. <laughs> all right. Um, when we come back in, we'll uh, we'll dive into SmackDown, and I do want to talk about the the Miz and the Ziggler stuff. I want to talk about all of it, so we'll do that when we come back in. Uh, I'm Glenn. That's Aaron, and that's the main event. This is jobbing out. Hi, I'm Marietta English, president of the Baltimore Teachers Union. I would like to welcome all teachers, paraprofessionals, and school-related personnel back to school. We want to welcome all the new educators to the Baltimore City Public School System. This promises to be an exciting but challenging new year. We will have a new CEO who will bring new ideas, goals, and expectations for staff, students, and the community. We look forward to working with her. Following the general election, we will have a new president and mayor. We are excited about this election. Please be sure that you are registered to vote. But not only register, be sure to vote. You can register online. Or you can visit us at 4701 
Mount Hope Drive, Suite A. Our temporary location. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter. I wish everyone a successful school year. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Jake the Snake Smith from Baltimore Boxing. Our next event is Fight for Fence. That's Thursday, September 15th at Michael's 8th Avenue in Glen Burnie, Maryland. You are going to love this event. We are trying to fight for Vince because he just had triple bypass surgery, and he has been one of my trainers for 15 years. And his son is a very good fighter, Joey Veezy. And also, we're going to have an action-packed night with two main events. Ticket prices are $35 for reserved seats, $50 VIP seats, and with the VIP seat, you get free food for an hour in the VIP section at Michael's 8th Avenue. It's going to be a great night of fights, and you do not want to miss it. To get your tickets, please go to BaltimoreBoxing.com. That's BaltimoreBoxing.com. Or you can come down to the legendary Baltimore Boxing Club in Fells Point and grab your tickets in person. And ladies and gentlemen, you do not want to miss these ring card girls. They are beautiful this time. Sponsored by Fleetwood Bail Bonds. Thank you, Bernie. An old, and I do mean old, familiar voice is back. Stan the Fan with the bat around every Saturday, along with Adam Gladstone, will look to entertain, inform, and educate our listeners right here on PressBoxOnline.com. Click on the Listen Live button to hear the bat around every Saturday, 10 to 12. Stan the Fan and Adam Gladstone. Real baseball talk is back. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash StanTheFan to hear the bat around every Saturday from 10 to 12. Join the Aberdeen Ironbirds on Labor Day, Monday, September 5th at 105, as they take on the Hudson Valley Renegades and close out the 2016 season by thanking you at Fan Appreciation Day. There will be a special Fans Choice t-shirt giveaway to the first 1,200 fans, and throughout the game, we will be giving away a ton of cool Ironbirds prizes. For more information and to get your tickets, call 410-297-9292 or visit ironbirdsbaseball.com. Birdland begins in Aberdeen. Back in here, segment number two, it is dropping out. Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster, and the main event. The fish pussy himself, AJ Francis. It's been a while. It's been a while. It was time to bring it back. All right, um, so Mike Quackenbush will join us in the next segment. Also, don't forget our top five this week, our top five, um, our miss, what would I say, call it? Regrets. Wrestling regrets is what we're doing. After uh, AJ earlier this summer, unfortunately, had to miss Finn Balor, Shinsuke Nakamura, and is still losing sleep over it to this day. And that's like personal regrets? But this could be anything. It could be personal. It could be company-wide. It could, it could be, be a match we didn't get. And, yeah, anything. It could be a match that you had a chance to see. It could be. I already know what you're gonna. What's gonna be your number one? Well, you, I think my number one is the most obvious thing in the history of ever. Yes. Yes, but that's fine. It's just my number one. And in fact, because it's my number one, I might make it my number five, just to knock it out of the way. All right. So we'll we'll deal with that when we get there. But we'll get there. In the meantime, uh, a couple of things. Uh, let me start with this. So I kept seeing things going around on Tuesday that said. The Miz, or Daniel Bryan is going to address the Miz tonight. Was that ever announced? Was it ever announced? Was it ever official? Because I was, I have to admit, I was disappointed, not because what we didn't, what we got wasn't good, it was good, but I was just disappointed if they really did advertise Daniel Bryan, you know, addresses the Miz and never actually did, I'd be disappointed by that. But I don't know if that was ever actually advertised or if it was just, Something that people were saying on Twitter. 
I don't remember, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and and, and if, even if it was, you could kind of make the case, oh, well, he was going to, but Shane told him to not get involved anymore. Okay. Because they, they opened it up with Shane. But you shouldn't you shouldn't advertise that it's something that's going to come on on the show and then not have it. You know what I mean? Like, that's a, tough, that's a bad – even in the wrestling world, you, you shouldn't promise something and then not deliver it. All that being said, look, Dolph Ziggler is Dolph Ziggler. Um, I kind of like the idea of setting up a series for The Miz for the next few months of The Miz versus workers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if this, yeah. If this is Daniel Bryan saying – Look, I'm, I, we're going to get all the yeah. You know, like I'm, it, I'm not going to be a dick about it. I'm not going to do that. You know, what we, we, we hypothesized a week ago. I'm just going to say, you want to go up against workers? Let's go up against workers. It's you against workers, and they'll, you know, word it however they want to word it. The guys that have been in the bingo halls, whatever you want to say, that's what you're going to be doing for a little while. And it serves a lot of purposes. One, it gets good wrestling, right? Two. If you let the Miz run through a couple of these guys, it legitimizes them a little bit more. I think it makes the Miz look really yep. strong. Yep. And there's and because as we talked about with like heels, there's only a few that are really heels, and the Miz is a legit natural heel. Um, gets booed whether or not people like him. Even people that like him boo him because he's that good of a heel. Um, I think it'd be a good thing to have him look strong for a while. So I think this is something that could really be very compelling. For the rest of the fall, I I love it. Frankly, I'm all in on it. And if this leads to like AJ versus the Miz for the title moving forward, I really think I like that a lot. I think that's if you build this up to ultimately AJ becomes champion, and like the end of this this run for the Miz is that you know AJ's the king of the workers, right? At least as far as SmackDown's concerned. Would AJ be the face in that situation? How would you How would you play that? I think you could absolutely make AJ. The I mean, face you can make him. I'm just saying he's really, he's really right now. I get it, right but that's what I'm yeah. saying. This is a, I'm talking about oh, like yeah. towards WrestleMania. Right. Exactly. I think that you could build towards that, I and mean, you could have a scenario where AJ's sort of like the last of them. And okay, you gotten through whoever else you're going to get through on our roster. Now, here's the here's the ultimate. Here's the ultimate guy that went and busted his ass and did bingo halls and did all those things. Short of Daniel Bryan, of course. But I think that's what you could end up getting to, and I I love that. I think that's really I, really good. Or or Nakamura find a way to clear Daniel boss. Bryan for one match. Look, I mean, I, I would Face like nothing. Daniel Bryan at Mania. I, look, yes, of course, yes. it would be amazing. Now, if is that the one match you're clearing Daniel Bryan for? Like, if you're ever, yes. you're you're not clearing him for Brock Lesnar. Well, yeah, I mean, of course, Absolutely yeah, that's not. over. I get right. that. That's over. Man, I guess there's really, I mean, that would be. And it, w- it would be a nice full circle moment. If you're committed, if, 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 you, if right. you think about because of the way he came. Yeah, yeah I hear NXT. you. If you're committed to the Miz being a top star for the next couple of years, yes, I'm all for that. If you're committed to, we're not just going to keep using the Miz the way that we've been using him. He is in the top of the picture for a little while. Um, then I would agree that that's you should do that. The rub that you get from having him go up against Andrew Bryan and presumably win would be massive. You know what I mean? I would absolutely pull the trigger on that if. You're not committed if you're just doing it for the sake of doing it because the Miz Daniel Bryan thing went viral right. once. Then I wouldn't pull the trigger that way. But if you really are committed to the Miz, I think that would be a good thing to do. Um, that being said, I, I like the idea of pushing Miz towards the main event and towards mm-hmm. a main event at WrestleMania right now. I think he's credible. I think he's done the work. I think he's an actual heel, which is a great thing. And I think that you're going to struggle with keeping AJ. Um, 
heel over the next couple of months. I think you're starting to see the same thing. that Especially without the club backing him up. Right? I think people just really love AJ. And, you know, I, I guess you still have to he's, – he's still keeping John Cena in the picture, so you're probably still going to have to have something else between him and John Cena because, of course, you can't just let that die. Um, but I think that this ultimately leading to a Miz-AJ thing at WrestleMania smells really good to me. I, I like that for SmackDown. I think that's a good path for them. For a little while. It maybe doesn't feel as big as what's happening on Raw, but I don't know that everything has to feel as big. I think it's still really good. I think you can do other things on your card with John Cena, with Randy Orton, with guys like that that are big in the process. So that's where I am. Anything that involves missing the minute that you right, yeah. before. That's a good point. That's so, a good point. Um, yeah. This was a wrestling show on SmackDown this it, week. Yeah. Which is a good thing to me. I think SmackDown can be a wrestling show. We like wrestling shows, right? Like, you didn't have the moment, right? It doesn't have the thing that you come out of it talking about and saying, oh, my God, that was incredible. Other but, than uh, Heath Slater. That's a good point, man. <laughs> that's a really good point. AJ, what did Dude. you think of the Slater stuff? Awesome. Yeah? It reminded me of my family in West Virginia. I mean, <laughs> and, my, and my family in Arkansas. I didn't know you had family in West Virginia and Arkansas. Well, I, I knew West Virginia. I didn't know Arkansas. Yeah, my my mom's family's from Arkansas, but uh, um, like it was so funny to me because it was clear they were when he said it, my favorite lines when he said, "Yeah, baby, we're doing go, we're doing so well. I'm gonna get out of here and we're gonna get out of this trailer and we're gonna move into a double wide." Right? Yeah. I, you know, I think the I, I think a lot of people were this. It's it's bad. Joe, you're you're making fun of, of poor people. You're making fun of you know. But that being said, it was very much Jamie Noble from 2004. I th- but I thought the sincerity was what made it work, right? Like I think that, he, boy, he sold. He wasn't making fun of it. You know what I mean? Like Heath was kind of in on it, in that like there's some sincerity here. Like I have love for these people. You know what I mean? Like I I don't know how to explain it, but Heath's sincerity to me was the story of the whole thing. That it wasn't a joke. You weren't punching down. You weren't just making fun of people that don't have money. It was really about Heath and just, like, how great Heath Slater is. God, Heath Slater is so great. And Rhino was really good in the whole thing, too. Everyone involved, you know, you can say that, you know, they, they kind of went a little over with a frumpy wife and everything. And right, having and a belch and the whole, yeah, I mean, that was. But, oh, it was so, like, the only thing that I think was bosh about the entire thing was announcing the headbangers ahead of time, which I thought was yeah, really Yeah, it was kind of disappointing. It was kind of really disappointing, weird. right? Like really, this is the guy. This is what you're bringing back. Like, like and, you know, I have no problem with bringing back the headbangers, but if you're gonna do that, there's absolutely no reason to announce it ahead of time. Like you say, we found a former WWE. You're not gonna get a viewer champion. Bump. Right, that's true. Yeah, we're, yeah, we, yeah, we have a former championship tag team who we found to face him. Yeah, but maybe you're afraid of teasing former tag team, and then like you end up having it be the headbangers, and people are like. Eh. I, mean, I don't but know. Maybe... people were still like, eh. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't, I, I don't know if there's a right way to go about doing that. I really don't know if there's a right way to go about doing it. But Heath Slater's awesome. I mean, Heath Slater is really – we talked about this last week. He has made himself a star. Yeah. I mean, legitimately made himself a guy that you have to watch. You have to pay attention to what he's doing. And the best thing is he's becoming one of the focal points of SmackDown right now. Like, he's yeah. become that good. It's, it's becoming a situation where – as much as we love American Alpha, as much as we think that they're the future of the right. division, if Heath and Rhino don't oh, they win, have to it's win. going to be a disappointment. They have to win. Yeah. I, I mean, there's no other – at this point, and really, because you paint yourself into the corner, right, I guess you could do a thing where you have them lose, but then 
Daniel Bryan says, hey, I've been so impressed, I'm going to give you a contract anyway. You know what I mean? Like, you could right. do something like that. But how do you not have them win? Heath is everything. Yeah. Everything. And Rhino, who really, you know, like, hits fine. Nobody ever has a problem with Rhino, but nobody's tuning in because Rhino's there. Oh, he's great it's in this role. It's been tremendous. He's so good. He's been excellent in this role. Like, and again, we've only seen a little bit of it, but damn, he's been good. Oh, I just, I just loved him, you know, sitting, you can have him eat crackers. Yes. And again, it's sincerely, like actually enjoying the easy cheese just, and crackers. Just the look difference between the two of them and, and, and kind of like the, the weird buddy, you know, the weird buddy cop routine there. It's so good. I like these segments in general. I like them going, you know, I, 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 I think that they're, you know, they're nearing the point where they're making it a little bit too comedic, but... I don't know, man. Rhino looking out the window was the best thing. Oh, yeah. really yeah. good. Like, it's right really now good, I have no dude. complaints. <laughs> really good. All right, so we're only a couple of weeks from SmackDown's pay-per-view, and we're pointed to what they're doing, right? Like, we, we feel we're comfortable with what that pay-per-view is going to look like, right? You're going to have the finals of the tag team. You already know the women's match. You already know your championship match. Um, Bray Orton. Bray Orton. Which is, that's, you know... That's a great pay-per-view, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and there's something else. What are we forgetting? There's another match that we know about. Don't we? Don't we know something else that I've already forgotten? Sure, the Miz is going to be in something. Well, yeah, well, the Miz and Ziggler, right. Yeah, we know, yeah. Yeah, Miz Ziggler, absolutely. Which, by the way, could only be better if they effing had them do the Colonel Chicken match. Like, if they made Dolph Ziggler dress up as the Colonel and the Miz is a chicken again, like, for an entire match, I would watch Pantsless. I would be so all in on that. But Miz Ziggler is tremendous. That's, that's, you got five already. What else can they do on that? What else? What else do they have? I'm trying to think of something. Well, you got, they're clearly trying to push. They'll, they'll probably have another, tech, you know, like Hypros versus Prezango or something like that. Two teams that lose, yeah. and then they got to do something with Apollo Cruz because they've been trying to. Yeah. They've been what. trying to push him. And I think clearly they're trying to do something with Kane since they had him come back the way that they that he did this week. <laughs> that they're clearly trying to push Kane in some way. But that's pretty good. I mean, again, yeah. considering you don't have to buy the pay per view. Kane Corbin. Well, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to Kane Corbin. I wouldn't be opposed to that they, at all. They, they did have a little bit of a look, kind of. Yeah, right. Kane left, Corbin came and, down. And that gives Corbin a chance to, to look good on a pay-per-view and have him beat Kane, right? Like, that's yeah. not a bad thing. Um, this this is why, in the era when the two paper, the, the, the pay-per-view problem that they had, the first time they did the split was because you were trying to get people to buy these pay-per-views. You don't need to. You don't have it. to get people yep. to buy pay-per-views anymore. And so when you give me that card, that sounds like a pretty good card for just a night of watching wrestling. And if I don't I'm have to watch every time, right? That's the point. If I don't have to buy it, I'm not it, paying sixty-five bucks for that. No, if you told me it was going to be a pay-per-view that cost sixty bucks, you're right. I'd probably say I'm going to buy a few of them, but I'm not buying all of them. And this would be one of the ones that I probably choose to pass on. But because it's free, it's just a good card, good night of watching wrestling. Um, you know, it's going up against football, which is tough. I mean, that's that really is a tough what sell is the for first Sunday night game. I genuinely don't know. I genuinely don't know what the first Sunday night game is. It always seems to involve the Giants or the Cowboys, though, for some reason. They love putting the NFC East on that first Sunday night game. And Steelers-Redskins is the next night. I really don't know what the first Sunday night game is. It is... Packers, probably. Somebody like that. Patriots-Cardinals. It's a pretty Pretty good good. one. Pretty good good game. I mean, that's that's tough competition. It's a pretty good game. But... That's going to get eyes. Yeah, right? (laughs) Well, Brady's not playing. Yeah, but, but, but I, I think that, adds that almost adds like a level of intrigue, right? Like you want to see if this Garoppolo dude is is maybe the next coming of Tom Brady. How, how many shots on the sideline si- of Belichick is right, that, you know? Right. Um, yeah, 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 it's a good card. I like it a lot. Uh, let me touch on a couple other wrestling things. We talked about it during the break, and I, it's my fault. We learned a little bit more about the cruiserweight division for Raw, and so far so good. 
I'm not complaining. So we know Gargano, Ciampa, and Cedric Alexander, correct? Is what and, we know. And last week they said, who was it? Those known Dar. Mm. Uh, who were the other two that they announced last week? I'm blanking on it. AJ, do you remember? I know it was Dar and two others. No, I don't, but I love Dar. Yeah, Dar's yeah, really good. he's great. I, I I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, but I'm sure it was two other really like good. Like, you almost get to a point where you're like, is three hours enough? <laughs> like, do they have enough An time? hour of cruiserweights every single week. I mean, they have so much yeah. good. And now the question is, are they breaking up Ciampa and Gargano? And I saw you talking about that on Twitter. This I, week. I think you can go either way. You could, because I don't think that just because... You know, I think the cruiserweight division is going to be not just singles guys compete for the titles. I think you can have, you know, just like WCWs, you had a lot of six-man tags. You had a lot of, you know, things here and there. I think you can have them be together, and if they want to break up, they can. They can kind of go back and forth if they really want to. If they want to break them up, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But, um, you know, it's kind of up to them. All right. Plus, I think that, I think especially with these cruiserweights, and, and this was the conversation that I was having, it wouldn't shock me if a lot of these cruiserweights don't end up on the uh, the Raw house show tours, and they end up like oh, they doing just, they're NXT just doing TV. They right. just do TV, or or they rotate. They'll have like a, a cruiserweight showcase match. So like one week you're going to see Gargano versus Cedric Alexander and Noam Dar versus Ch- you know. Then you rotate, and the other guys go down to NXT yeah, help out those that. tours. I think it's tough right now, only because NXT is trying to reestablish the tag division. And look, you know, the revival are everything. And, you know, they're and great. like I said, I, I think you can do both. I think you can. I think for now, you'd like to keep Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano down there just to help with that next. And they've got some tag. Obviously, the the authors of Pain are great, and um, TM sixty one right is yeah. great. I mean, they're they're getting there. You know what I mean? Like they're getting to that point. But I think for now, it would probably be nice to keep them there to just help in that process of getting the tag division in NXT where you want it to get to. So I think that'd be a good thing. The other thing we learned this week is uh, we know when Brock Lesnar is competing next. Yes, we do. Uh, the rematch between Brock Lesnar and At Randy. a random house show. I, that's got to be a, end up being a network special, right? That's got to be. Not the, well, not, especially because there's a pay-per-view the next day. So I would say it's very unlikely it's a network special. I think that they they want to build the house show for whatever reason. It's it's in Chicago, so that that's part of it. I they, hear you. Um. I also think that because they aren't making the house shows single brand yet, that they feel, oh, well, if we want to do this, we can kind of just put it there. Have they they done a Lesnar match yet at a house show that wasn't on the network? Yes. Which? Um, They they did a few. They were... um, Hawaii. It didn't happen, remember? Uh, yeah, that didn't end because up Because he ended up going to UFC. Uh, there, there, was one in, there was one in L.A. He, he, he was in L.A. He was in L.A. Uh, this was... No, Japan in, didn't happen either. I, I want to say it was back in the spring or the summer, maybe. It might be actually right before... Oh, boy, where was it? I can't remember. There was a house show in L.A. Okay. where he appeared. But did he wrestle? Did yeah. he have a match? Yes. Okay. Yeah. What was a match against? I, I don't remember. I, I can look it up. If you, let me hold on. Give me a second. I, I mean, I just... Talk amongst yourself. If, if they've done it before, then okay. Then that's... I, my thought was that they had never ended up doing... Because we all thought that the Hawaii, the Japan things were going to end up becoming network specials as well, and then they just didn't happen. So we don't know what they were going to ultimately do with them. If they've done it before, though, if Rock Lesnar's had a match before they didn't put on the network, then yeah, okay, they can do this. They've, they've, they've decided. I just thought that all of them had ended up getting on the network so far when he had done these, these house shows, the Roadblock and the... Beast in the East, and what was the I mean, other one? I mean, he is Brock effing Lesnar. Correct. Uh, I mean, and, and before Roadblock, the the day before, they also had a match on a house. Black that same oh, did match he? Okay. on a house right. show. Well, there you go. So. There you go. Yeah, yeah, but, oh, he beat Rusev in San Jose. That's what I was thinking of. February, 
back in February, he beat Rusev on a house show. Okay. All right. Uh, he beat Sheamus on a house show in Houston in January. And there you go. You got your answer, and I was wrong, and I'm happy to say that I was wrong. Unlike when AJ says I'm wrong, and AJ's just an asshole. Like yeah. always. <laughs> All right, when we come back in, uh, is there anything else we need to talk about from SmackDown? I mean, is there anything else, or from just programming in general, before we talk to Mike Quackenbush? We covered everything we need to cover? I think so. All right, good. When we come back in, Mike Quackenbush is going to join us. He is um, the, the, the the man behind Shikara, and uh, we'll talk to him about that as well. is this weekend. Oh, right. Yes. Right. Very good. We'll talk to him about that. That's coming up next. This is jobbing out. Oh, sorry. Let me do the thing where I, I'm glad that's Aaron and that's... The main event. This is Jobbing Out. It's Ferris's birthday off on Sunday, September 4th at Lidos Field at Ripken Stadium as the Aberdeen Ironbirds take on the Hudson Valley Renegades at 7.05. And we give our favorite mascot the day off to celebrate with his favorite mascot friends. The first 1,200 fans to the gate receive a Ferris's birthday t-shirt and all fans can enjoy $1 hot dogs and post-game fireworks. For tickets and more information, call 410-297-9292 or visit ironbirdsbaseball.com. Birdland begins in Aberdeen. Hi, Ken Zales here, KZ, from the PressBox Fantasy Reality Football Show, which you can hear right here on PressBox Radio every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. till noon. Myself, Sarita, the NFL chick, KO, keeping us on the air. It's called The Football Show. We talk all things football, high school football, college football, NFL football. Of course, we lean a little bit towards the Ravens, but we'll also talk Baltimore sports and all sports in general. Join us every Sunday, 10 a.m. to noon, on the PressBox Fantasy Reality Football the Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show, Sunday mornings, 10 to noon, pressboxonline.com slash fantasy. Hi, I'm Marietta English, President of the Baltimore Teachers Union. I would like to welcome all teachers, paraprofessionals, and school-related personnel back to school. We want to welcome all the new educators to the Baltimore City Public School System. This promises to be an exciting but challenging new year. We will have a new CEO who will bring new ideas, goals, and expectations for staff, students, and the community. We look forward to working with her. Following the general election, we will have a new president and mayor. We are excited about this election. Please be sure that you are registered to vote. But not only register, be sure to vote. You can register online or you can visit us at 4701 Mount Hope Drive, Suite A, our temporary location. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter. I wish everyone a successful school year. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Jake the Snake Smith from Baltimore Boxing. Our next event is Fight for Vince. That's Thursday, September 15th at Michael's 8th Avenue in Glen Burnie, Maryland. You are going to love this event. We are trying to fight for Vince because he just had triple bypass surgery, and he has been one of my trainers for 15 years. And his son is a very good fighter, Joey Veezy. And also, we're going to have an action-packed night with two main events. Ticket prices are $35 for reserved seats, $50 VIP seats, and with the VIP seat, you get free food for an hour in the VIP section at Michael's 8th Avenue. It's going to be a great night of fights, and you do not want to miss it. To get your tickets, please go to BaltimoreBoxing.com. That's BaltimoreBoxing.com. Or you can come down to the legendary Baltimore Boxing Club in Fells Point and grab your tickets in person. And ladies and gentlemen, you do not want to miss these ring card girls. They are beautiful this time. Sponsored by Leapwood Bail Bonds. Thank you, Bernie.
All right, third segment, it is Jobbing Out. Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster of the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, and uh, AJ's got to duck out for a couple of minutes to deal with football things like a nerd. So we're going to continue to talk uh, some wrestling. And, Aaron, I know you're really excited to talk to our next guest. I, I am. I, I get a chance with Rolling Stone to go around, sit down with a number of different people, write articles on him. The hour that I got to uh, spend with this next man, Mike Quackenbush, we, we spent it, it was before t- the Top Banana Show at, up at the old ECW Arena, and just getting to pick his mind for wrestling was one of the most uh, fulfilling hours that I've had in this job, so really happy to uh, have him on, Mike Quackenbush. Mike, thanks for taking the time, man. Really appreciate you doing this for us. Guys, thanks for having me on, and thank you for that very flattering introduction. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you're not familiar with Mike's work, Mike is the man behind Shikara. He's the man behind the Wrestle Factory in Philadelphia. He's been a consultant recently with WWE and NXT. I mean, he would in a 20-year career as a pro wrestler. I mean, like, dude, there's nothing you've not done in this business, is there? I've been very fortunate. I've gotten to do a lot of crazy things. Even though this seems very dated, given the death of the print periodicals, uh, sorry to our friends from Rolling Stone, uh, <laughs> I spent 10 years writing for the wrestling magazines. I wrote for Pro Wrestling wow. Illustrated and The Wrestler, and when I bring that up now to my trainees, they were like, wrestling magazine? That was a thing once? <laughs> Dirt sheets yeah, or really actual was. sheets? Right. <laughs> That's wild, man. That's You know, it's, it's funny. Is there anything, this is a great question then, is there anything you literally haven't done that you would still want to do within pro wrestling? I've never produced like a regular television version of wrestling, which I think is radically different from what I currently make at Chikara. Sure. And I think I got a real appreciation for that the time that I spent uh, working for the WWE and seeing, you know, this is how they do it when the TV cameras aren't there, and this is how it, it happens when the TV cameras are there. And I thought, this is a totally different skill set that I've never had to master doing what I do. So... I would look forward to that as a really interesting challenge. I don't know when that's coming my way, and I do want to point out I've got enough on my plate right now. You're so good, right, yeah. Somebody's like, let's get this guy and make him busier. Maybe not right now. Speaking <laughs> about busy, uh, you guys, you guys have had a busy couple weeks. Obviously, you have King of Trios this weekend. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, you guys also had a live broadcast, one of your first live broadcasts. Uh, can't remember exactly what the show was, but I definitely stopped to watch it before the uh, before SummerSlam. How did, how did that go for you? It went very well. From a technical standpoint, it went as flawlessly as any live stream we've ever done. And I think that's such a volatile medium right now. People are getting it wrong as much as they're getting it right. It was really important to us that, one, we test our system very meticulously so we knew that it worked, and that the first outing, which just happened on August 21st with an event called No One's First and Your Next, um, it was really important to us that we deliver it to the customer uh, with consistency and high fidelity and everything else because we've seen so many times other people that inhabit the same, you know, rough space in the independence as we do um, really fall on their faces with streaming. And there's justifiably a lack of consumer confidence in that medium. No, I mean, I think that's really the issue is that like now I, I need to know confidently that if I pay money to watch something, I'm actually going to be able to watch it instead of sitting there and saying, oh, for F's sake, the entire time. Right. And we, we specifically wired our building with that in mind. We, we bought very specific equipment with that in mind. All of it was meant so that in, in our in-house environment at the Wrestle Factory anyway, that we were optimized for exactly that. Uh, it oftentimes just kind of comes down to, you know, what is the building wired for? Yeah. What, 
what kind of internet service can you get here? At least at our home base, we can customize that. I think the, you know, the issue a lot of other folks are coming across is when you go on the road, you're walking into a building that morning and trying to figure out what their internet setup is. You're probably not optimized to deliver great streaming quality. That's a great point. Yeah. That's a really good point. Uh, uh, King of Trios this weekend at the Palmer Center. And I, this, let me take a step back. What you're doing with Shikara, and I gotta be honest, Aaron turned me on to it. I'm like, what the F is Shikara? I didn't even know at the time. He's like, well, it's a little bit different. Um, and he wasn't kidding. It's a little bit different. Everything you guys are doing, how important is it to you? Like when you hear that line, it's a little bit different. I, I feel like that's gotta be a really important part of the product that you put together with Shikara because in, in a, in an oversaturated in many ways, uh, medium, in an oversaturated sport, whatever you want to call it, entertainment area like professional wrestling, that there's got to be something that makes you stand out. And obviously what you all have done with Shikara clearly makes you stand out a little bit. Well, yeah, and it's not by accident, as I think you realize. It's It kind of boils down to the general idea of how do you go into such a unique space that there really isn't someone else to compare you to? Yeah. And um, I, I kind of chuckled about a week ago. We had a comment on our Facebook page that said, it seems like you guys are copying off of Lucha Underground. <laughs> and uh, the sad reality is uh, when the writers were doing the series Bible for Lucha Underground, they had to study us. Yeah, right. um, I think we've been doing this a, about 14 years longer than they have. <laughs> and uh, if you think about the, the best-selling flavor of ice cream in the world, it's vanilla. So maybe for a moment, indulge the analogy that that's the WWE. It's the best-selling flavor out there. Everybody knows that. And you could choose to be something very similar. You could be vanilla bean. You could be French vanilla. You could be off vanilla. You could be very similar to vanilla if you wanted to be. But we are really content to be that wacky, strange, fluorescent-colored ice cream at the end of the rack. But you're like, do I do I want that? I don't know. It might taste weird. Give it a taste. Yeah, just, just yeah. See. It's gonna taste a little bit weird. But we don't want to be derivative. And you you can watch. You see shades of that in other organizations. You watch them and you, and you realize like. Uh, you know what, what Coke Zero is to Coke, you kind of watch these guys and you're like, oh, that's New Japan Zero is what that is. Or these guys are trying to be WWE Zero. You are the French vanilla to their vanilla. Um, that doesn't interest us at all. When there's such a vast potential for incredible storytelling, when you just accept the fact that we're telling a fictional narrative, okay. don't, right. don't fight against that, don't cringe from it, embrace it, and then see where that gives you permission to go. And uh, obviously that gives you permission to go in some crazy place for people who ha who haven't seen Shakara. Kind of give them a taste of some of the storylines that you've delved into over the years. Um, one that often gets referenced is we had a very long storyline that involved time travel, involved <laughs> somebody who went to the future, then went to the past. They learned all kinds of facts about what was going to happen, and ultimately, in a critical moment for that character found a printed book that foretold his death. Um, some of it was resolved, thankfully, through the use of a DeLorean time machine, not unlike what you might have seen in Back to the Future. Uh, so uh, that's kind of like an interesting slice of, of something that we've done. And you're going to find stuff that's very far afield, deep into genres like science fiction and fantasy. And then you're going to find some stuff that's very kind of like grounded personal stuff because we need that contrast. If everything we do is crazy, it's paranormal, it's supernatural, it's science fiction, um, 
I, I, you, you kind of lose that grounded nature. You're always going to need characters and storylines that are, you know, very close to the real. And then I think to an extent, you do enough of those kind of beats and you do them with quality and you do them with integrity and you earn some of the crazier things we've been able to do over the years. And that, uh, they are crazy, no doubt. Yes. Now, when you're looking for your niche, you could have just gone with the Lucha Libre style. That was obviously, especially at the time, a very unique thing, especially in the uh, northeast United States, the mid-Atlantic area. But you decided to say, not only are we doing Lucha Libre, we are going to go with these kind of science fiction, fantasy elements. What made you decide, okay, I need both of these elements in the uh, company that I run? Well, I do think Lucha has a lot in common with what you might read in a comic book. And maybe you could extrapolate this to be true of the points of intersection in all of professional wrestling. We're talking about characters that are brightly garbed, wearing colorful costumes. They perform superhuman feats of strength and agility. It's a struggle of good versus evil. Teams come together, the members change, they get a new lineup. Um, all of these things, they are as true in wrestling as they are in comic bookdom. And as a lifelong comic book fan, whether I want to be or not, I'm influenced by all of that. I am a product of the media that I digest. And, of course, that's going to come out um, you know, through my own creative expression. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, what you're saying. Mike Quackenbush is with us here on Jobbing Out. What you're saying is so interesting to me, too, because it, it's not as if an average pro wrestling fan couldn't end up getting into what you're doing. But you know that that intersection between the world of comic books and the world of pro wrestling fans, there's a pretty large group there. You know, there's a pretty significant group of people that are going to go see certain types of movies and also watch pro wrestling. And I feel like that this is almost exactly what they've been looking for in Shikara. Do you, do you almost worry there? Do you almost say, like, hey, I don't want to just do a product for that group of people? Or do you embrace, hey, I know exactly who my people are, and I want to make sure they're coming out every time we do a show with Shikara? I do feel like I, I know our audience. I know who I'm trying to reach. Yeah. And I'm often frustrated by our inability to reach more of them, because I know there are more people out there that would like what we make if I could just get them to... You know, do the little taste spoon there at the end at Baskin Robbins. I just need you to have that small taste, and I think we could hook you. And that's a huge hump for a lot of people to get over. If you're raised on WWE, or I grew up with WWF programming in the early 90s, I know how difficult that transition can be once you're acclimated to, I associate professional wrestling with certain type of television production values, yeah. a certain level of star power, a certain, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And to make that jump to something that's a little more independent – it's kind of like the difference from I going to an arena to see you 2 play in front of 90,000 people versus I'm going to my local bar to hear a quiet acoustic act. What you want from your arena rock experience is not going to be satisfied by that acoustic band at your local pub. And for some people, it'll never satisfy what they want. And uh, I'm always kind of working uh, you know, against that. Can I get these people? Can, can I hook them somehow? Because as you pointed out, um, I think I am just as likely to see Captain America t-shirts at WWE Raw as I am to see wrestling t-shirts when I'm in the theater watching Civil War. Yeah. There's immense crossover. The tropes are, are they're just too similar. The storytelling tropes, the character tropes, they're all incredibly similar. So many points of intersection. And yeah, obviously, like, these are my people because I am that person. By the way, is there a more underrated statement than Mike Quackenbush saying, um, we're a little more independent than that. <laughs> like, yeah, I'd say a little bit, a little bit, maybe even further than just independent. I like, guess just a little bit different than what you're getting there. 
that may be true. Yeah, it might, that might be true. So how weird is it then for you to go from what you're doing and, and working with Shakara to like showing up earlier this year and hanging out down in Orlando and, and being around what they're doing there? Do you think that's a statement about, you know, like the rest of the pro wrestling world seeing Shakara and saying, dude, we need to tap into that. We need to have a taste of that because clearly there's, there's a fandom there. Or was it more like a, a weird world for you where you got to walk in and somehow like adjust to how WWE does their business? I must give a lot of credit to the WWE in that the entire time I was down there, I felt like I was waiting maybe for a heavy-handed principal with a ruler in hand to show up and correct me that every <laughs> time I said pro wrestling, I meant to say sports entertainment. Right. Or that a lot of what I have to say is not on their corporate message. And I, they would have been well, well within their rights to tell me, you know, we talk to our students like this, not like what you're doing. And these people that are, that are in this, you know, type of function, when you sit down and meet with them, you talk to them like this and, and not these kinds of things. This is our message. It's important that we're all preaching the same thing because they really did give me, I felt like, unprecedented license and access to every part of what they do. And either they're really good at faking it or they really did value my input, which, was very surreal for someone who spent the entirety of his career on the independent circuit, but also incredibly validating for this reason. And I had the chance to address the entire NXT crew on my last day there, and I, I made reference to this. As uh, FCW was turning into NXT, FCW was their developmental league before NXT proper launched, the WWE conducted a, a survey of people who identified themselves as having uh, a voracious appetite for pro wrestling. I believe the exact term was they are they self-identify as ardent wrestling fans. And they asked them this question. Can you, an ardent wrestling fan, name one pro wrestling company other than WWE? Would you care to wager a guess how many of them could percentage-wise? Ten. Yeah, I was going to say a little bit more than that. I was going to say like 20, 28%, somewhere around there. Less than two. What? Wow. Less wow. than two percent of people that self-identify as an ardent pro wrestling fan in this study could name any wrestling organization other than the WWE. Wow. And if that is true, if, if, if we can extrapolate that to be all of fandom, then the entirety of my wrestling career is it doesn't exist. Right, right. Everything I've done, everything I've created, uh, whatever influence I might trick myself into thinking I have is utterly irrelevant to over 98% of people who think of themselves as ardent wrestling fans. And I can't help but be humbled by that statistic. And as I said to the NXT crew on my last day there, coming here and feeling like what I espouse personally about wrestling, my approach, my theory, my proprietary method has been embraced by all of you, has been very validating to me because I do feel on some days like everything I've ever done has amounted to nothing other than toiling in absolute obscurity. Holy crap. Holy crap, man. That is really crazy to think about. You know, and, and not only getting to do that, but now seeing something like the Cruiserweight Classic where there are guys from all over who may not have relationships, guys who you have either worked with by bringing them in or you've gotten to the ring with them. Seeing all of those guys, what does that mean to you to see that on a WWE television? Uh, it gives me a tremendous sense of pride. Uh, it, too, is very validating. And it's a strange place to be in 2016 when that validation is coming from the WWE, but I'm glad for it. 
Um, there are days where, you know, little things like that, this is going to seem so trivial, and yet it really did put a smile on my face. A week or two ago on the Cruiserweight Classic, they name-dropped me on on commentary. Mauro Ranallo called me out uh, for some of the training that I've done, and that put a smile on my cranky face. Uh, it makes me feel less and less like what I'm doing is in absolute obscurity, uh, especially on those days when my flagging self-esteem gets the better of me. <laughs> I mean, seriously, those guys, you know, you, you talk about some of the guys you train, and we've had a couple of them on, including uh, Drew Gulak uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And, I, like, it's got to be a weird world for you to think of where we are now, just in professional wrestling in general, right? Like, that... This is happening. This is a thing that exists. You talk about the validation. This is, I don't know. I don't know if I'm, I even have the word to describe. Like exactly where we've gotten to, considering we're only few a few years removed from none of this stuff even being possible to happen at that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy, this past Monday night really drew that into clear perspective, No doubt. That no doubt. The idea that, you know, the top guy in the entire industry right now, you could argue, is uh, Kevin Owens, a guy who probably every step of the way has been told, you are not the right shape, you are not the right look, you don't do the right things, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Now, Incredible. You had a chance to work with you, because I know they did the Ring of Honor Shikara crossover there uh, one summer. What, what was it like to work with Kevin? And did you realize then that he... You know, with the right situation, he could get to this point. I, I don't know that that ever really crossed my mind, to be honest, because there were so many years where the WWE hired a very specific body type. They hired, you know, people that came up through the independents and had a certain pedigree. Just they were completely off the radar or uh, they were on the radar of people that we are, you know, deliberately ignoring so, yeah, to be quite frank about it, no, the thought never even crossed my mind. And that could be said of a lot of people that they've acquired in the last three or four years. I do feel like, you know, probably one of my most famous protégés, Cesaro, seemed like a guy from the moment I met him in a warehouse in Zurich, Switzerland, <laughs> it was really clear that this guy's going to be something. Now, could I have told you that he's going to end up in the WWE? No. But you kind of knew instantly, this guy is going to be something. And... I, I think they have cast such a wide net now in terms of who they are willing to give an opportunity to. And you know what? Maybe no one is a better example of that than me, that they thought, let's let this guy be a guest coach for a week. Yeah, let's no let doubt. this there guy backstage and see what he has to do when we give him the controls a little bit. Um, what, what an absolutely out-of-the-box choice. There's probably no one less likely to be behind the curtain with the wizard at WWE than Mike Quackenbush. That's a great point. I mean, it's a really great yeah. point. Like, it just, I think it speaks to what we're talking about, which is like, holy F, this is really happening. And truth be told, for like nerdy pro wrestling fans, like really nerdy pro wrestling fans, we almost don't even know how to handle it. Like, with, mm-hmm. you know, we, we're so inclined to be like, yeah, but it's WWE, so they suck, despite the fact that, of course, we all watch the WWE and, and crave everything that they do. Like we we almost don't know how to handle what it is that we're dealing with right now because we <laughs> we still like all the indie promotions, but like we got to admit we really like the CWC. Like we're all obsessed with NXT. You know, like the whole thing. We don't know what to do with ourselves right now. All we know how to do is bitch on the internet. So this is really very confusing for us. I bet. I think part of it is they've really at last grown into their shoes as the undisputed industry leader. And I know some people might want to make an argument for the case that New Japan Pro Wrestling can make, but uh, I'm not currently hearing that argument. The WWE is the industry leader. 
And I think for a while, they always felt like someone was nipping at their heels. You know, you go all the way back to the nationalization and through the history with WCW and everything else, right? There was always like a viable number two at their heels. And I don't think there is anymore. And I think it's finally given them license to experiment in ways that when they felt like number two was nipping at their heels, they were too intimidated to try. They're comfortable at last in their position. They know that their lead is unassailable and they feel the freedom to experiment. And I, I want to be very clear. I'm saying this just as one man's theory. It's certainly not fact. No, no I hear it, but I, I, it makes a lot of sense. Right, no doubt. So we're, we're coming up here. It's your guys' weekend, the biggest weekend of the year, King of Trios. Always wanted to go up to it, but it, there's always a Maryland game in the middle of that weekend, and I can never make uh, make time to go up. But one of these years, I'm definitely coming up. But King of Trios, you guys have uh, 16 teams. Just how hard is it to uh, to put together a tournament like this every year? It's mission impossible. Um, someday, I should probably just write a book about King of Trios. Every year, what's going on? what you almost saw and then didn't get to see, what could have gone wrong but then suddenly turned into magic before the fans' eyes. Um, There would be quite some tall tales. And I I don't want to sound like I'm here to complain uh, because I don't think that's my mission on this podcast, but it's a lot like Mission Impossible, enough so that when I sit together with all my lieutenants and it's all over and we talk about everything we've invested from sweat equity to energy and everything else, we all kind of agree we are never doing this again, right? Like, we all look at each other and we all nod. Yes, we will never do King of Trios again. <laughs> and we all leave kind of unfortunately knowing, of course we are. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. Of course we are. But we definitely need a week or two where we've told each other, we're never going to go through this nightmare <laughs> again, right? Um, it's an incredible event. I mean, it's I, I can't even imagine um, when you say how difficult it is to put this thing together. I guess the real question is, like, how many times do you have to, like – Look, take take people that know nothing about each other and say, not only do we need you to come in and work together, like we also need you to sort of learn the way that we do things. Like how, how difficult is that part of the process? It can be quite difficult. Um, I've gotten much better at articulating what my vision is over the years. I okay. think I went through a period of time where I didn't know how to get it out of me and I was not an effective communicator. And now when I sit down, like I think about what's coming for me this weekend, we have 72 different professional wrestlers that are coming from quite literally every corner of the globe to be part of this. And, uh, you know, some of them barely speak any English, so I'm dependent on translators or, uh, you know, what little phrases I know in other languages. It's going to be incumbent on me to really kind of set the vision for the night, for the weekend. Uh, why are we here? What is the mission? And if I succeed in communicating that very, very effectively – then things do tend to go, uh, you know, the way that they are meant to go. That, that's not to say that something won't jump the rails, but uh, I imparted this to my crew as we were all kind of bracing for the tsunami to hit us, and the tsunami is king of trios, to be clear. Uh, I think a lot of times our fear and our apprehension about things of this scale, and it's massive, you think just about the number of flights, the number of hotel rooms, the number of languages spoken, the number of itinerary issues. And then we're not even talking about things like money, politics, all these other things that go into making professional wrestling, right? Uh, we're often fearful that something will go wrong. And I think what we've learned to accept is something is going to go wrong, and we need not be afraid of it because we've all weathered unbelievably horrible disasters of a King of Trios scale, and yet we're still standing. We've still recovered. We still find a way 
we still get through it, we still make the fans happy, and we send them away wanting more, which is ultimately the goal at the end of the day. And, and, and we'll pull it off. I think back to King of Trios 2011, which we were, my friend Bryce and I were reflecting on just earlier this week. And four days prior to the tournament starting, one of our own, uh, he, he departed. The late great Larry Sweeney, uh, left this earth just days before the tournament was set to begin. And I don't know that it gets any worse than that. I don't know that you could weather a worse storm than that. And yet we endured. Uh, we persevered. So yes, someone is likely to miss their flight. And yes, someone's likely to turn up in a bad mood having had a horrible day and they're going to want to take it out on somebody. But you know what? We were able to get through it back in 2011 when conditions were infinitely worse than someone having a bit of a temper tantrum or somebody else has caused a logistical hiccup. And no matter what King of Trios 2016 serves us, we will endure Absolutely. I just want one more about this year. This year, um, especially with the order that the teams were released, a lot of people took note that there is a lot of women competing in Kiatris. Four full teams, including Team Original Divas Revolution, which is Jazz, Mickey James, and Victoria as a uh, trio, plus uh, Heidi Lovelace and Princess Kimberly on other teams. Was there a conscious decision going that we want to have that many women, uh, including King of Trios, this year? Yes. Okay. What, <laughs> is there any, any specific any specific uh, reason for that? <laughs> I mean, he answered the he question exactly answer the, the question. way you that, wanted him to answer. This is true. Man. This is factually correct. Right? Yeah. That's, uh, it wasn't very open ended there, Aaron. Um, Just <laughs> a Rolling Stone over here. Jeez. So, boy, oh boy. Um, I think. I mean, yes, obviously that, that was done very consciously. And I was really amazed at some of the remarks that we were seeing from people. Um, like, uh, they, they, they couldn't get over the fact, you know, the first three or four teams in a row that we announced were all female. And the very prospect that they could be seeing an all female tournament was so deeply offensive to certain consumers. And I just thought, Wow, I don't, I, I really began to wonder, do you get what it is that we do? Do you get what it is that we make? Like if someone's going to go really far afield with an idea, you know it's going to be us and the commitment to that idea will be 100%. Um, you need no further evidence of this than something called the ashes of Chikara. If you want to see how far we will go at 100% level of commitment into something that is Potentially the most outrageous idea that's ever been done in pro wrestling and an all female tournament is definitely not the most outrageous. Boy, have you subscribed to a certain book. Uh, Chikara is the first ones to go there. Uh, I think finally, due in part to changing attitudes from the industry leader, we are starting to finally change perceptions about women's professional wrestling. And as someone who came up with, I, I was an avid VHS tape trader in the 1990s. I watched how these women that I idolized, none more than Manami Toyota, would consistently, night in and night out, simply outwork everybody else in professional wrestling in front of a third of the fans, probably for a third of the money, for a third of the notoriety. And why? Just because, you know, there's a stigma to women's wrestling? I don't know. I don't, I'm sure that's a very complex answer, and I can't try to simplify it into a soundbitey type answer. But um, I think it's well past due when the ladies get to stand 
on their talent as opposed to – and, you know, we, we've seen this for many, many, many years. Sometimes they stand simply on uh, their physical appeal, right, their beauty or mm-hmm. uh, their sex appeal. I mean – we might think that maybe that was something we saw exploited just in the Attitude Era, but the reality is that type of objectification was on full display in the Hulkamania era when Miss Elizabeth pulled off her dress to reveal a bathing suit at SummerSlam and helped the Megamaniacs. So we've got decades and decades of that attitude kind of being reinforced, and I really saw what an uphill battle it would be as we started rolling out the teams this year for King of Trios. There are some people that just feel like, Oh, this is somehow secondary, or this is, you know what I mean? This is the fries, where the burger. And, uh, you know, we work really, really relentlessly. Aaron, you had a chance to see it at Top Banana. There's probably no clearer statement about how we feel about that than Princess Kimberly becoming our grand champion. Yeah. yeah. And the fans there, I, I have not heard a reaction like that in quite a while. It's pretty wild. Pretty wild, no doubt about that. He is Mike Quackenbush. Uh, King of Trios is this weekend. Um, the ShikaraTix.com is still the place if, if people are trying to get some last-minute tickets, correct? That's right, but about 24 hours before the events begin, online ticketing will close. Okay. So by the time you're hearing this, you might already be uh, boxed out, but go ahead, come right to the door and get them. Uh, we will get you in, have no fear. No you doubt. come right to the Palmer Center in Easton and buy them at the door, and you don't pay any kind of upcharge if you buy them at the door. We'll be happy to see you this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in Easton. That's great. And it's uh, just the website again, ShakaraPro.com as well. Make sure you check that out. Um, mm-hmm. Where can people find out more about uh, uh, Wrestle Factory? Uh, over at the WrestleFactory.com, okay. you can find out about training with us. We've got different uh, curriculum. We've got a tiered curriculum, which is broken up into small, bite-sized, seven-week classes. And we've also got like a full-time, multiple-days-a-week type thing. So if you want that bite-sized appetizer, we've got a class for you. If you're ready to dive into the deep end, we've got a class for you. The WrestleFactory.com, and we are located in the northeast corner of Philadelphia. We train seven days a week. And it's at Mike Quackenbush on Twitter, correct? It's- that's right. You can find me there. Harass me online at Mike Quackenbush. <laughs> One other question, I guess, uh, as far as promoting goes. We heard recently that you guys are going to be involved in WrestleMania weekend down in Orlando. Any idea when tickets will go on sale for those? I believe they already have. All of that is being handled by our friends over at WWN and the WWN Live Experience. They're going to be handling all that ticket order fulfillment for us. But, yeah, we'll be down in Orlando next spring for Mania Weekend. Just in case there wasn't enough going on, come come see us in all your downtime. I already know what I'm doing Saturday at 4 during uh, Mania Weekend, that's for sure. Excellent. Excellent. Hey, Mike, this uh, has been a really enlightening chat, man. We really enjoyed this, and we'd love to do it again. Uh, down the road as you get ready for another big event. Have a uh, really great weekend, and thanks for taking the time for us. Guys, thanks for giving me this forum. Delighted that AJ couldn't be here. <laughs> Very cool. Appreciate Mike Quackenbush doing that. That was uh, awesome. Aaron, I know you're uh, the biggest Shikara nerd on the face of the planet. Well, not the biggest. There are some people who, like, keep record books. and the, the Shikara fan base is... Your top five. There are some crazy people in the Shikara the the Shikara verse, as it will. They 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 treat it like, you know, you remember in Lost, those people who would spend like hours, days of their lives, like co- compiling mm-hmm. every theory. There are people like that for Shikara because of just the way that's structured, how it's more yeah, like sure. just a story, a comic book, if you will, rather than wrestling. And there are people who will break down every theory, go through the histories, figure out, you know. What may happen here and there? What's hinting towards what? It's it's really an interesting. Uh, yeah, there's community. a lot of guys that jerk off in the basement by themselves. 
you realize that these are our listeners, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can't just insult people. Hey, man, wait a second. And hold on. Hold yeah, on. Aren't, aren't you the guy who has like a boxes and boxes of comic books? Also, this is your yeah. people here. These I are think, your people. No, there's a difference between what you just said, having boxes of comic books, and going through in-depth theories of all the history. Yeah, it means they the like it more. I have a question. <laughs> if you're jerking off in the basement, are you supposed to be with somebody else? You said they jerk off in the basement by themselves. Well, if you're jerking off in the basement, I'm pretty sure you're supposed to be by yourself. Not always. Well, I mean... If you're jerking off, I right, mean... Right, I mean, like, you can have always. sex in the basement. I guess you could... I mean, I've done that before, but I I don't know, man. Like, I feel like I prefer... When I'm jerking off, I kind of just want my own space, man. I, I want my own time. Don't don't judge me. Whatever I choose to day? look... What's that? You mean every day in your life? Yes, when I, or at least when the picture of Kurt Angle and John Cena shows up on the <laughs> Internet. And, and, yeah, I go jerk off. That's the way that it goes. All right, uh, that's, of course, A.J. Francis, who is back with us as uh, we come out of this. Uh, Aaron, tell us a little bit about what's coming up with uh, Shikara and uh, as well as some other things, some big weekends. Yeah, like, like, like we talked about with Mike there, uh, King of Trios, which is the big weekend every weekend for Shikara. It's always, I think it's almost always Labor Day weekend. And it's a trios tournament. They get trios from all over the place. They got some from within Chikara, some out. They have teams like uh, Team CWC this time, which is Cedric Alexander, Drew Gulak, and Johnny Gargano teaming as a trio. They got uh, – oh, actually, the interesting about this year is that it's a very women's-driven one. They have a lot of women's trios, some from Japan, some from America, some uh, elsewhere. They have uh, Hornswoggle. Heading up a trio, Team Big Deal. Oh, I love that. They, by the way, they have made him a fantastic heel of all things. That's kind of great. Shikar, just, That's just a great. guy who's, you know, he has these two big guys behind him. They're like, do the work. He'll come in and stand on a guy, get the pin. It's that pretty suck. fantastic. That doesn't suck. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it should be a great weekend. The only problem for them, normally they get more kind of indie guys around there, and it seems a little bit bigger. Only problem happens to be that uh, this weekend, arguably the biggest uh, ind- independent tournament in America, right. also happened to have to move to this weekend as the Battle of Los Angeles is out in Reseda for PWG. And now that is a hell of a tournament this year. So tell me who all's in that. So uh, it's 24 people this year, and it's going, and uh, basically it ends into a triple threat match for the finals. But I was going to read off some of these uh, first round matchups. Kyle O'Reilly versus Matt Riddle. That's not bad. That one doesn't suck. Uh, Chris Hero versus Jushin Thunder Liger. I would watch that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'd watch that. Uh, John Hennigan, John Morrison versus Matt Seidel. Okay. Okay. You have, uh, Ricochet versus Jeff Cobb. I'm all Matanza. in. All in. already all in on this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marty Skrull, the villain, versus Pentagon Jr. I love Pentagon Jr., yes. Uh, Cody Rhodes versus Sammy Callahan. Well, that, that sounds <laughs> terrible. I would Tommy End that. versus Zack Sabre Jr. Jesus. Cedric Alexander is also in it. He just How the hell is he going to be in both? Yeah. Uh, probably he's going to lose on Friday and, and then fly fine, out yeah. to Reseda on Saturday because they ha- they're doing their first round across two days. Uh, Phoenix versus Will Ospreay. That sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good. Damn, yeah. dude. Yeah. Damn. All right. Is that? Can you watch online? I don't think you can watch. Well, that, that is online. not good. That is not. You'll, good you'll be able to watch it on uh, DVD. Well, way later, to just but. so quickly be aware. Yeah. Right. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Battle of Los Angeles is always one of the just huge things that you always get two or three matches that pop up that people are like, oh, my God, you got to see it. Yeah, this year it might be like seven. (laughs) Man, that's good. All right. Well, so um, that's all happening this weekend. It's all happening happening this weekend. weekend. Oh, and Dalton Castle's also in it. He's good too. Boy, that's a pretty good. That's pretty good. Oh, oh, and and in addition to the tournament, they also have random matches. One of the uh, random matches they have Dalton Castle and the boys against the Young Bucks and Adam Cole. All right. 
Wow. <laughs> so whoever bought their ticket is a stack. Right? No fucking doubt. It sold man. out like one of my friends actually is from here is flying out to receive us for the weekend. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty crazy. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this too. Like, um, just just as far as these events are concerned, right? Like, what's you want people to go, and I get that. Like, what's the best way is to try to charge for like an eye pay per view? You know, what's the best way to try to to get it out there and best monetize it? No, that's what Evolve does. Evolve does eye pay per views. Yeah. I I don't I don't know if there's an answer for that yet, but this is the type of thing that like I wish I wish the WWE Network was there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. as much as I complained last week about being oversaturated, this weekend there's there's really nothing for me to watch, right? Like I'm all caught up. I'm right. I'm good. I gotta watch. I haven't caught. I haven't watched the uh, Cruiserweight Classic yet, and I haven't the watched NXT. PWG but it is so interesting though that they just seem to have no interest in expanding, which is like they they had their niche. They, and it's just what we are, right? It's this is what we are, and we don't we don't want to put it on iPay-per-view. We don't want to work with other companies and do like cross promotion. We have this. We know that we are one of the top indies in the country. We're going to run the, the same little building every time, and people are going to pay $75 a night to come see us. It's true. It's working out pretty well. It's working out okay. It, it, it's, it's fascinating to see someone, like, when everybody else, when Evolve, when even Shikara, Shikara has, Shikaratopia. Ring when, of Honor. Yeah, when everybody else is trying to expand as much as they can, they're just like, nah, yeah. we're good we're here. here. We, like, we love our fan base. We love, you know, the wrestlers we can bring in. That's all. That's all that we really yeah. want. That's a great point. And great it's not point. not necessarily a bad thing either. All right, uh, that leads us into uh, this week's top five. Um, these are things that unfortunately we're not going to be able to see that we're going to miss, and it uh, gets me to regrets. This is something I wanted to do a while ago and just forgot because, oh, one night over the summer, we uh, Aaron and I got this hot text from AJ, and it said, "Dude, you're not going to believe this, but <sighs> tell the story again, AJ." Oh, man. Uh, I was expecting to go to NXT. And then, you know, me and my wife were looking for a house, and we have the house now. It's Like I said, it's going to start being built on September 7th. It's a good time around for everybody. But when we were still looking at houses, we were in Orlando looking at houses where I'm going to buy. And um, in the process, there was an NXT taping. And I wanted to go, and I had plans of going, but we were just looking at houses. We were running around. I was on the other side of the city, like, half an hour before we were supposed to start. I was like, man, I won't go. I'll just, we'll just go to dinner, blah, blah, blah. That night, one of the matches taped mm-hmm. was Shinsuke Nakamura versus Finn Balor. Ah. And I hate myself forever. <laughs> See, yeah. the point is, if you had texted me... I could have told you that match was going like they were advertising. Well, you were that. you were gonna be a hero that night. You were doing something for your your chick. You know, yeah, you yeah, Taking yeah, care yeah. of your wife that night. You know what I mean? Like you. But if you had known, you probably would have gone. Correct. Oh yeah. If I had known, me and Toss would have been front row. <laughs> so it got me thinking about wrestling regrets. Wrestling regrets. Now this could go one of two ways. It could either be your own personal regrets, like AJ, who. We're not going to let him include that story because we already know the story, you know what I mean? But, like, that's a personal regret, that it happened and you could have been there, you're right there in town, and you just missed out on it for whatever reason. Something along those lines. Or it could be something within wrestling that you wish would have happened and never happened, it went a different way, something along those lines. So that's what we're doing, our top five wrestling regrets. AJ is the main event, so he gets to start and finish. AJ, you're number five. My number five was just from this week, uh, like two weeks ago. I th- I'm kind of pissed off that we didn't get to see an RKO out of the F5. Mm. 
Mm. I think that would have been one of the greatest moments in wrestling history. It would have been pretty good. It would have been pretty effing good, man. Um, I don't. I almost wonder that you that you might not ruin it though. You know what I mean? Like, wh- where else do you go from there? Uh, you don't have to do a house show after that. <laughs> No, I just mean with the RKO. No, I, like, how say, I, you... I think Orton retires after that. He just that's his mic <laughs> drop. Right. You know, like, like how done. can you ever have I'm another done. RKO out of nowhere? If you RKO to the F5. Look, trust me, I would effing love to see it. Don't get me wrong, but I always feel like it ruins everything. All right, Aaron, your number five. Uh my number five, th- this is kind of a more abstract it's it's a personal one, but it's just because I feel, you know, as a wrestling fan, I feel like I, for this I was born in the wrong time period. I never got to see Hulk Hogan in his prime. I never got to be in a match and hear the music play and see the crowd right, go nuts it. the way that n- almost nobody else in the history of wrestling was like that. If I could go back in time and just sit, you know, WrestleMania 3 or something like that and just sit in the crowd when Hulk Hogan's music plays and hear him come out and see him, you know, do his thing, I think that would just be wrestling ecstasy as a fan. And to not ever be able to do that is kind of a bummer. Um, I mean, I, it's hard to argue with you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's I, I'm with you. I, I got to see him. I got to see him with the NWO, but I never got to see him like all red and yellow glory. Well, right. actually, that's not true. I did get to see him, but I don't remember it. I saw him, but I was I was so young, I don't remember. I it. didn't see him live until 2001, until you know the the end. You know right. what I mean? Until it was over. Uh, yeah. I mean, I that was. I mean, he was the first transcendent figure in professional wrestling. Yes. He was the first guy that was must-see, and yeah, I, I hear you on that. Oh, so Bruno San Martino wasn't, huh? Oh, so it's almost like, so it's almost like, so sick it's almost like, it's almost like real, this guy. like, go no, no, no one argued about around. Hogan. I mean, no Hulk one didn't Hogan. have Hogan on the, yeah, uh, Hogan, Hogan, Rush you're, you know. You're right, you're right. Hogan, Hogan, he should, it should definitely be, it should definitely be San Martino and not Hogan. It should definitely be that. You're right about that. God, I hate you. My number five, everybody knows, so we'll just get out of the way. Yes, it's Brock and Brian. It was the one match that, that uh, if you knew nothing about professional wrestling and just knew it's supposed to be like an entertainment show and you had all these guys to work with, right? Like, here's the list of, of characters. Tell me the two that should work with each other. Well, maybe the guy that looks like David and the guy that looks like Goliath should go into a ring together. And then you don't have to do any work whatsoever to tell the story because it's legitimately actually David versus Goliath. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'll live. I'll get over it one day. There will be a day where I will come to peace with the fact that I never got this. But it's going to take a while. And yes, it's technically my number one, but since you all knew it was going to be my number one, I decided to get out of the way, and it's my number five. And so now I go back to AJ for number four. My number four also involves Brock Lesnar, but I don't know if we we might still get it. But I feel as if we've had prime opportunities for Rock Brock. Mm. And I feel like like I really like I don't I don't know you have to pull the bullet this year, but I think with isn't WrestleMania in Minnesota in, in two years? We don't know. Yeah, the, there was talk that it was going to be this year. Right. And for if whatever, it's ever in, if it's in Minnesota within the next three years, and it's not Rock versus Brock, I am going to be furious. <laughs> I mean, look, I, that's I think what the, you save. If you're saving Rock versus Brock, you save it for WrestleMania in the new Minnesota Vikings right. stadium. But the, look, there's been a compelling argument made for why it could be what they're building to this year with, you know, with Shane and 
you know, yeah. he, he needs somebody, and, and so then, why and, not? And he's run through everybody else. Right, and why not the the guy who literally they named the show after, right? Like, you know, there, there's a compelling argument for that. And really, if the way you did things, it better be that that's what you're building towards. But um, look, everybody wants it. It'd be the, it would be the biggest moment, yes, ever. It would be the biggest, most compelling, most interesting match, despite the fact that at this point, you know, how old is The Rock? You know what I mean? Like, and yet we'd still we wouldn't care. We'd say. By all means. If we did it in two years, how old is The Rock right now? 44? 40, no, he's not that old. Uh, he is. I was. I thought he was into his 40s. Uh, uh, <clears throat> how old is The Rock? How old is The Rock? Oh, he's 44. He's 44 years old, motherfucker. Take that. No, he's not that old. Yeah, is he? He's 44. So we're saying two years, a 46-year-old dude. And yet we'd still all geek out. We'd you know still... what's funny? I, now that I'm looking at his Wikipedia page, yeah, he lives across the street. Well, not across the street, but his neighborhood is across the street from where Brent lives in Fort Lauderdale. Brent Grimes, Brent... defensive back. Oh, from the uh, from from who? Tampa Bay Bucks. Oh, the Buccaneers. Okay, all right. I still don't know, but yeah. Um, so how, you've not gone over to offer like a fruit basket or anything? Well, I just realized that now when I'm looking. So you better go get a fruit basket, bro. Go camping. Losing a gated back. community, so I'll probably have to jump a fence and get tased, but I'm totally I was going to say, is it not worth it? Right, no doubt. All right, uh, Aaron, your number four? Uh, my number four, it's something that is still baffling to me, how this didn't happen, and it makes me wonder how big it could have been. You have the Montreal screw job happen in 1997. Mm, yes. And Bret Hart. Jumps over to WCW. Mm-hmm. Given that situation, Bret Hart should have become the biggest thing in wrestling. Like, maybe not wrestling history, but one of the biggest things ever. Like, it, legitimately, you have a guy who was legitimately screwed over by his company, going over to a company that at the time was beating the hell out of WWF in the ring, right. which was the hottest thing. And somehow in three months, he managed to ruin Bret Hart entirely. The fact that after the Montreal screw job, we you know never what it got was? a it, real it was because, To me, it was because he spent so much time off TV after it happened that it kind of... Well, he was, they, he was, he was back a month later because he showed up at Star... Granted, it, that was the beginning of the, the bad thing. Was he showed up at the Starcade as the guest enforcer or whatever. So it was only a month after that that he came back, and he was on TV. He couldn't wrestle until, I think, January or so. But the real problem was in April... You turn him into an NWO member, and you have him below Hogan, and you have him below Nash and Hall and everything. And Bret Hart, at that point, shouldn't have been below anybody. Is there an argument that this was the ultimate? This is the story about WCW? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that this is, he could never have become that guy, because WCW didn't know how to make him that guy. They didn't know, they, they just... Or WCW wouldn't let anyone besides, besides Hogan. Hogan. Yeah. And, and I think that's the... Because they, they obviously did. The the whole Monday Night Wars and the whole you know renaissance of wrestling, if you will, started because of WCW more than anything WWF did, because they managed to reinvent all of these people. So they knew how to do it. It was just that once Hogan took over, they didn't know how to make anybody bigger than Hogan. Yeah, or wouldn't let anybody it's be bigger than Hogan. It's been part of the Hogan problem over the years. Right, that's, exactly. That's the case. Um, but to, to see Bret Hart coming off of that and being given a proper push, I, I feel like the sky's the limit for that. And I yeah. and it's, so it's one of those things I go back on and wonder, man, how did that not happen? It's a great no, point. No, yeah. Everything you're saying is actually true, but I'm also watch, watching the CWC as we speak. <laughs> and I just saw I just saw a move. Br- Br- Aaron knows what I'm talking about. I just saw a move 
Brian Kendrick just did on the Burning uh, Hammer. Kota Ibushi. Please, please dude. stop doing this to me. The Burning Hammer. Dude. I hate you guys. Dude. I really hate you. Dude. Guys. Oh yeah, Amazing, yeah. Dude. I hate you guys. I was so literally took everything in me not to yell. Oh my God, on the air with you guys. Hate you both. I hate you both. All right, my number four is really depressing, so I don't. I really just don't want to talk about it much. But I, it truly is. It's I, regrets the wrong word because it's the guy's a monster. He's a tragedy. But my one of my wrestling regrets is that one of my favorite wrestlers of all time I don't get to acknowledge. I have to pretend like Chris Benoit never existed. Well, rightfully so. Rightfully yes. so. Agreed. I mean, I, I'm I wholeheartedly agreed. But I, it's still a regret, right? You know, it's a regret yeah. that that yeah. you. I, you invested time. I became, like, I didn't know much about that. Honestly, I wasn't watching a lot of WCW at that point. So when he came over, I didn't know, and I'm like, oh my god, this is wrestling? Like, this guy is, this guy's incredible. Like, he's unbelievable. And as fate would have it, I ended up going out to dinner with the guy about a year beforehand, and we had this really great conversation about football and about, you know, things that he was into, and like, I, I, I just, I, I was such a Chris Benoit guy. And the regret is not me feeling sorry for Chris Benoit. Let me make that very clear. The, yeah. re- the regret, and it's not trying to make, uh, you know, us victims. There were two victims, you know what I mean? There were two actual yes. victims. This is just regret. I wish that I could acknowledge one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I can't. For absolutely the, the good reason, the right reason. You can't even bring up his name when you talk about your favorite wrestlers. But truth is, he was one of my favorite wrestlers, and it sucks that he turned out to be a monster. It just, it sucks. And so that's a wrestling regret. Your number three. Yeah. My number three. It will always piss me off that Razor, Mar- Razor Ramon never won a world heavyweight title. Yeah. Even when he was Scott Hall. Yeah. He, if, if you make a list of all the guys that never won a world heavyweight title, Mr. Perfect's on that list. Gold Dust is on that list. But the number one person at the top of that list is Razor Ramon. And it will always piss me off that he never won one. I don't blame you. I mean, it, it makes, you know, for one of the great characters, one of the great performers of all time, yes, and there's there's reasons why it never happened. And but still, and if not for those reasons, it probably would have happened. Right. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. But but what what AJ's saying yes, is yes. It it sucks that he has to be on that list. It right, sucks exactly. that you know he's the Dan Marino, right? Like it it sucks that. When you bring up the greatest performers who never win a title, there's there's Razor Ramon, there's Scott Hall, who deserves more than that as one of the great performers that we've ever seen. So I, I hear you on that. Aaron, your number three? Uh, my number three is uh, the, the one thing on the list that I will compare to the uh, AJ not going to NXT that night. Uh, back leading up to uh, The Miz and Cena's WrestleMania match, they announced that there was going to be a surprise guest host, and they announced that that person was going to be showing up on Raw. As fate had it, I was about two hours away from that Raw, and I had a chance to go to it. And I was like, oh, yeah. I could go. Yeah. It's a long drive. I don't know if it's where they got to fly out the next morning. Maybe I should. Maybe I should. I decided for multiple reasons. you legit reasons had no idea? Go. No one had any idea. Did we really not know we at didn't, all? No one knew. No one knew. I mean, I people people had thrown it out there right. that it might, but it was more just like, oh, who could be a big deal? Oh, well, yeah. And then for the first time in eleven years or however long it, or eight years or whatever, The Rock shows up. No doubt, man. No and I doubt. was I was the thinking about going there. Nanners. Yep. 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 Absolute bat ass crazy. No question. Yep. Well, yeah, you're an idiot. Uh, <laughs> 
My number three is also, it, it's not a personal individual event. I got one of those. That's my number one. But it's a, it's more of, again, a, on a personal front. We live how far away from Philadelphia? Two hours, two and a half hours? No, no. Well, you live two and a half yes, hours. Yeah, I, hour say, and yeah. yeah I live an hour, yes. an hour and a half away from Philadelphia. Yes. Um, <laughs> I never got to go to ECW. Yeah. I yeah. never got to go to see. And I get it. The arena still. I know you've been to other shows at the arena. Yeah, but it's not. It's not what that yes, was. Yes. And it's it's an age thing, right? Like I was five years too young. You know what I mean? If I had been five years older, I probably would have gone five Once or six month, times. Yes. You know, something like that. Yeah, I would have probably gone a lot to see ECW. But I wasn't five or six years older. And so when ECW disbanded when I was... I guess I would have been 13 or so. What year was the final year for ECW? 2002. Uh, I was older than that. Yeah. Yeah. It was around. I guess it was closer to 17. I was about 17 when ECW ex- disbanded. So if I had been 20, I probably would have spent like half of college going up to ECW if I had just been a few years older. Yep. Um, and experiencing that and being a part of just that whole thing. And it's a regret because it's so effing close for us. We go to Philly for wrestling shows all the time. I've seen pay-per-views in Philly. We've seen NXT in Philly. Um, I, like Philly is somewhere we go to watch wrestling because it's a great wrestling town in part, and also because they get cool shows. Yeah, you know they, they mean? get like, good shows there. Um, it was a Royal Rumble in Philly. Yeah, yes, I've been to a, I've been to a couple Royal Rumbles in Philly. Um, I, I'm just bummed out that I never got to be a part of ECW. I'm really bummed out that I never got to go experience that. It's so close. It's so plausible. It would have been such an easy thing to do. I was just a couple of years too young to have, like, if I had gone and told my dad when I first got my license at 16, yeah, driving up to Philly tonight, taking your car to go see, like, it just wouldn't have worked. You know what I mean? So, sucks. Just sucks. Thinking about it, it's a bummer that it never happened. That's what it is. Your number two, AJ. My number two is kind of the same as you. Um, I didn't go because I had a basketball tournament. But I really wish I would have went to that SummerSlam that was in D.C. Oh, God. I was there. Michael's. Yeah. Yeah, I really wish I would have went. I didn't go because I was had a basketball tournament, and I had all these things I was doing at the time. And I really wish I would have gone because I was in Vienna, Virginia, for a basketball tournament at Paul VI. Um, but, you know, I wish I would have gone. But looking back, especially with the main event and, like, the oversell by Michael, <laughs> so it was just a – Fantastic SummerSlam, and I wish I would have gone. It was a really great SummerSlam. I remember I was working at the time at a Best Buy, and I had to be awake at like four o'clock every morning to be in on Sundays. And so, like, I fell asleep. In like, we got there early. Um, I don't know why we got there so early. I guess we couldn't. We what year was this? I don't know. Oh five. Was oh five? All right. I don't know why we got there so early, but we got there early, and I'm like literally falling asleep in my seat like ahead of time. And then you get through the whole show, and you get to the Michaels Hogan thing, and you're just like, nope, I'm wide awake. I am fucking all in. We were in the front row of the upper deck, which the seats ended up being great. Um, yeah, the front row of any section is a great seat. Yeah, it was really a really great seat, and it was the a front great row of the floor. You know, like where I oh yeah, is that where you were sitting? The best. I've never seen you. Well, we were That's in the usually the best. We were in the front row of the lower level for the same show recently. We were playing Funaki. Yeah, yeah, we were sitting right next to Funaki. I'm not sure if you heard of him. He's, yeah. We were in the VIP section. I caught Bailey's, Bailey's T-shirt. So. Yeah. Yeah, but Funaki looked at me and put up a number one. He put up a number one. one. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Did you get that? Huh? Did you Funaki. get that? Number one. Funaki, number one. Did you get that? I don't think you did. I got, no, but after after uh, Dean Ambrose won the match, I got to dap up Shane McMahon and uh, Daniel Bryan. So. 
Funaki. Funaki is bigger than any of these guys. Come on. It's Funaki. All right, Aaron, you're number two. <laughs> uh, my number two is just the shit show that was uh, WWF in 2001. Like, that could, <laughs> should, could have and should have been the biggest year in the history of wrestling. Forget the, the whole buying of WCW. Like, they were setting up a great storyline there with the two-man power trip. Right. And you had, you know, them pushing Jericho and Benoit. And then the injuries happened. And then they buy WCW. Jericho and you? No, yeah. And we, he, we who, who, he who yeah, was not correct, the name. Correct. We're not allowed to talk about him. Yeah. Jer- Jericho and uh, Voldemort. <laughs> right. Um, And then you buy WCW. And then that storyline gets just all screwed up. Like, 2001 should have been such an amazing year, and instead it was such a frustrating year for wrestling. No question about it. And I, I still I go back so often to just be like, what the hell happened? Just what the hell happened there? No doubt. No doubt. All right, my yeah. number two. Um, my number two is that, uh, look, I think you all know we talked about my favorite wrestlers of all time. Kurt Angle is is my favorite wrestler. He's the guy. Um, my regret is that Kurt Angle ever left WWE and that we ended up losing another decade of what we could have gotten from Kurt Angle. And it's a bigger regret about where Kurt Angle found himself in his life and some of his own personal battles and that the guy that to me was the greatest performer I'd ever seen as far as everything is concerned, checking off all the boxes, that we kind of lost a decade of what could have been Kurt Angle doing great work, putting guys over, you know, the, the legacy of Kurt Angle isn't going to ultimately be what it could have been had he never left. So He might come back, and it might change your idea. I, and I hope that's the case. I really do still hope that there's – and I, it won't be quite the same. It'll be one last run, but – You're right. You know, I will, still, I, will have, I will forever lament that Kurt Angle ever left the WWE and, and dealt with the things that he dealt with in his life that led to that. I will forever lament that. Now, my number one is we turn things back around so that AJ can go last. Um, there was used to be this event out in Phoenix called the Man Expo, and it was as pandering as it sounds. Like it was this this convention where like here's all the things dudes love, you know what I mean? It's like come out here and it, you would never want to go to it. it. It was just a terrible idea. But uh, we had to broadcast from it every year, and so we would like finagle that we would do like we would literally just go do like a two hour show. Uh, broadcasting from the Man Expo, and that would be it. We do it like on Saturday morning. So the one year I get a call on Friday that said, "Hey, are you coming out to the Man Expo tonight?" I'm like, "What?" This is from like a salesperson. Like, why would I go to the F? No, I would rather be anywhere on the planet than the Man Expo. I mean, like, why would you even invite me to that thing? He's like, "Oh, dude, I, I thought this was up your alley." Like, what do you mean you thought this was up my? I can't even describe to you how awful this thing was. It was just, it was the. Most you, wretched. Yes, you can. It's the Man Expo. Correct. That's, that's it's called correct. the Man Expo. You know what you're getting. It's a terrible event, right? But he wasn't talking about the Man Expo. You see, what I hadn't been told was that CBS was hosting a private event that night with Shawn Michaels. <laughs> oh, yeah, you fucked that up. Shawn you fucked up. You Michaels. Fucked up. You fucked up. See, I wasn't told that because I was still new to Phoenix at the time. Shawn Michaels was doing a private event with CBS that night, like a meet and greet, and we were going to get to hang out. The effing creepy sales guy got to hang out all night with Shawn Michaels. Your boy was sitting at home with his ex who sucked. That was how I spent my Friday night. So I arrive on Saturday morning, and he's like, dude, you missed it last night. I'm like, yeah, I bet. I'm sure I did. 
sure I missed a, a great night at the Man Expo. You know what I mean? He's like, bro, we were hanging out with Sean the whole night. I'm like, with Sean who? You know, like Sean the other weird Sean sales who? guy. He's like, I thought you were a wrestling fan, man. I'm like, what? What? So I will forever have to live with the fact that instead of spending my Friday night hanging out BSing with Shawn Michaels, I was uh, I was doing no such thing. So that will forever be my number one regret. Your number one, Aaron. Uh, my number one is a regret that I didn't even know that I had until a few months ago. And this is coming back for, in uh, 2006. So uh, to set the story here, I was trying to put together a story about just kind of how WWE books WrestleMania. So I tried to find some creative writers from the past and like how the, the various WrestleManias they worked on. How they did it. I ended up talking to, um, I can't even remember who I talked to, but I talked to someone who was Well, like, I didn't read it, so I can't tell you. Well, it, it, the story actually didn't end up happening because I couldn't get enough writers. Well, I just want you to know. Way, even remind, if it, remind, remind, me, remind me to say why I have beef with Aaron after this time. Oh, oh believe me. I have beef, too. I, I think I've we already all, addressed it. We all him. have beef. Yeah. Believe me on that one. Um, and anyway, so, so I, we talk about WrestleMania 22 in 2006. And uh, I was told that Shawn Michaels, who went on to have a match with Vince McMahon, was not originally supposed to have a match with Vince McMahon during that. Okay. Instead, he was supposed to have a match with Eddie Guerrero. Oh! Yeah. Oh! And that was going to be, it probably wouldn't have included the title, but that was going to be one of the huge bills of WrestleMania was... Shawn Michaels and Eddie Guerrero feuding for the first time ever. Oh, Two of the guys who I consider the, the greatest all-around performers in uh, the history of the business. That would have been okay. That would have been okay. Damn. And I heard that I was just like, what? Wow. What? Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. I didn't know. That's amazing. But for the record, I want you to know, if you had written the story, I still wouldn't have read it. Oh, just, absolutely. Just, I don't, I I don't make, expect you to. I want to make sure you know that. All right, uh, main event, you're number one. My number one, well, first of all, everybody's number one is the fact that Eddie Guerrero ever died. But yes, yes. The, but my number one uh, currently for this list is I feel as if if Daniel Bryan could have stayed healthy, I feel as if we didn't get Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar, but I think it would have been even more compelling oh. if a year after that, with how everything shaped out with Roman and if they would have been able to do it differently, if you could have got Daniel Bryan versus Roman. It was WrestleMania. Was, but you got Daniel Bryan versus Roman. I mean, you did. <laughs> you got it the month before. It's yeah, you, did, you did get the match. It's just, you're no, right. no, 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 no. But I'm talking about Daniel Bryan, the ultra clean baby right, face right. against super muscle heel, killing everyone, Roman Reigns. Yeah, yeah that could have been fun. It would have been pretty good. It would have been pretty good. You're right about that. That would have worked out okay. I was waiting for a way to, to say that his ultimate regret was that Daniel Bryan fucked up the fact that Roman Reigns should have yes. been being cheered. I was just waiting for that to be. AJ's number one regret. He, he thought that that was a given. So I mean, that's obvious. All, right. all right, let's get uh, through all this. AJ, you are on Twitter. At AJ Francis 410. Tell everybody about the Francis Sports Academy. Yeah, you know, we're getting, you know, back to skills sessions finally ended. It was a big success. We had a bunch of kids come out. And now we're doing uh, the fall sessions, and it's every Sunday. Uh, you can go to Francis Sports Academy to find out. FrancisSportsAcademy.com to find out all the info. You can follow us on Instagram at Francis underscore sports. If your kid thinks that he has what it takes and you think that your kid can be good, you know, we're known for making pros in my family. You're talking to one. So uh, we can make sure that you get the best training that you're supposed to get. And you know what? We haven't done this in a while. Shout out also to BJ and Miggs out of KSW in Seattle. We Absolutely. Love, love those dudes. They're always talking us up. 
Uh, love Ted Smith. Love the Migs cast. Love the Mega cast. Represent for those dudes because they're the best. And, All right. Uh, and before I go, because I have to, I have to take a dump. Oh, like, good. Thank you for sharing. But before I go, I would like to say, Aaron, your job sucks. Yep, pretty Rolling much. Stone kiss my ass. I agree. Because how the hell did the Rolling Stone make a list of 18 wrestling podcasts wow. you should need to listen to? Yes. And wow. their fucking writer, Aaron Oster, has the best wrestling podcast in the world. I'm emailing the guy who wrote the article today. You better get on that. You better get on that. All right, quickly, because uh, AJ's got to do Yeah, we didn't get a plug. What kind of shit is that? Yeah, I have no idea. It's Believe me. It's I'm, not, I'm not happy. AJ's got to AJ's got to do his thing, so we got to run through the rest of the plugs. You're on Twitter. The Aoster. At uh, uh, the show is jobbingoutshow at gmail.com. All right, and the Twitter the jobbing is jobbingoutshow. All right, very and good. And I got some wrestling stuff coming. Very so, good, Baltimore we Sun, and, and we're not plugging the other one because f them. Uh, and then for me, it's at Glenn Clark Radio. GlennClarkRadio.com is the website. Thanks again to Mike Quackenbush. Uh, thanks to all of you for sharing the word about the show. Please continue to do it for Aaron and for. Oh, is he already gone? The <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to take a dump. AJ Francis, I'm Glenn Clark. This has been Chobbing Out. This is Chobbing Out.